0: On this week's episode, lots of face kicking, like a lot of face kicking and a Sam O'Hung reference. But I mean, this week, it's all about the face kicking. I'm Troy Sauer, Brad Anderson, John Nance, and this is Not a Bomb. Back, everybody, to a brand new exciting episode of Not a Bomb podcast. For anybody who's just joining, this is the podcast where we go back and we look at the movies that either bombed at the box office, didn't get any love from the critics, or maybe you've just never heard about, which is kind of what this week's movie's about. So, with me always is Brad, and we have a returning guest, right, Brad? We do. It's our buddy John. Your vacation buddy John. My vacation buddy, my beach buddy John. How are you, John? We have, we we haven't talked for like a whole, uh, what eleven hours? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, eleven
1: hours. It's been oh. ages. I know. Ages. Hey, how else? How's everyone doing? I'm a
0: jealous lover, John. So if you're going to try to take Troy from me, I it's I will Dude. cut you. <laughs> you got to come to Maryland. I you Have to get your butt out here so we can show you all the sites it's super we will
1: yeah we'll show you the sites we'll we'll notify the local authorities everything will be cool
0: yeah and the in the cool movie theaters are starting to open up so you can go to the senator afi we're still waiting on the parkway come on parkway if you're listening I we're i your virtual movie theater is cool but please open that auditorium up that that theater needs to be seen but listen the, last week, we got, I don't know, deep, philosophical. We, we, we had a great time with our special friend, Jose, um, who that guy. If you ever listen to Quentin Tarantino talk about films, and uh, I was just listening to a podcast where Tarantino was going through with a couple of other guys, um, public domain films, like his recommendations So they're doing like a top five. And anytime you listen to Quentin Tarantino talk, that guy will give you every specific detail about a film, the ins and outs, stuff that I would never even think of. The only person I, that I know or I've even heard that comes close to maybe matching Quentin Tarantino when it comes to talking about films is Jose, in my opinion. That guy just knows everything, <laughs> so... And he brings something out in us always. We we go places when he's on this podcast. He does. There's there's something about talking with him. You you we I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we we've had a great time talking with him on Showgirls. We were talking about uh, you know Dragon's Forever, Jackie Chan, and last week I mean we talked about life, death, the afterlife, you know, Hollywood tragedy. It 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 was a pretty deep episode. That is not the case this week at all. So this week, it's all about the action. So, John, we had to bring our favorite action junkie on the show because I, f- I feel like, not not to typecast you or anything, but um, if we're talking about people who know action movies, you're our go-to person. So I appreciate that. We're super <laughs> excited. So, uh, I'm excited. Brad, what movie are we talking about tonight?
2: Talking about 1997's straight-to-video Drive, not to be confused with the Ryan Gosling Drive. This is... Mark Dacascos Drive.
0: Yes. Now, this is a, I don't know, 100th time watch for me. Uh, John, how many times have you... Hey, is this first time watch? I don't think it is for you, right? Uh, negatory, good buddy. Okay. But Brad, this is a first time watch for you. Uh, correct. Yes, it was first time for me. Had you ever heard about this film until I brought it up?
2: Nope. Okay. Nope. And I I mean, I, I guess going... Like, I, I like Mark Dacascos. Like, you and I just got that Shout Factory um, Brotherhood of the Wolf in the mail. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, oh, Mark Dacascos is in that, too. I really like Mark Dacascos, And I'm like, I can't believe I've never seen Drive before. So I'm glad I got to kind of scratch that off my
0: list of shame. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into his filmography. But I thought it was fun before we talk about Drive. There There was a time in American film history, where Hollywood studios would get a hold of a martial artist and try to make them into a star or try to copy what was going on in Asian cinema. But, you know, we had a good run for a long time of American cinema, really cranking out some fun martial arts films. So I thought it would be kind of a fun discussion to say, what are our top three american martial arts films not something from hong kong not something from japan or uh you know russia or you were just talking about brotherhood of the wolf i mean that's a french action french. film
2: i guess the connection is drive is an american martial arts film is that the connection you're making there?
0: that is the connection and i gotta yeah. tell you guys um so john and i were sitting on the beach and we were you know discussing this topic. humble brag humble brag uh having some cocktails <laughs> And this was kind of a hard topic to discuss because when you take a step back, trying to kind of pinpoint the martial arts, the martial arts films, and and here's where it gets tricky. And I know you and I have talked about this in the past before, Brad, take something like the matrix, the matrix has Kung Fu in it. The choreography is done by Yun Wu ping, but that isn't really a martial arts film. It's core DNA is a science fiction sort of cyberpunk film with martial arts elements to it. Uh, Another great example is anything in the MCU. Uh, Now, I know you've seen Black Widow, right, Brad? I have not yet. Oh, you haven't? Okay, so, John, have you caught it yet? Well, I know the answer to that. Yeah, we didn't. That and the Captain America movies, everything, they have some great martial arts sequences in them, although, side note, this whole thing of running up to people and jumping on their face with your legs and then spinning around them and throwing them, Okay. We need to stop that. That's just, it's, it's impractical. (laughs) Everybody does it now. And it may have looked cool the first hundred times we saw somebody do it, but it's boring now. So, um, come up with something new, but you know, those movies have great martial arts sequences and that's probably where you're going to find some good martial arts, but they're not martial arts movies, right? They're, they're comic book superhero movies. Um, would you guys classify John wick as a martial arts movie?
2: Uh, that's more like gun, gunfu sort of. I mean, that's he's more punching with guns. <laughs> okay,
0: punching with guns. That makes yeah. sense.
2: I mean, if you watch that first one, like all the kills are close proximity. Like the gun is just an extension of his hand because it's all close quarters. But I would not classify that as like martial arts.
0: Okay, what about you, John? I mean, is that? I know we debated this on the beach quite, going back and forth. John Wu. I think, uh, yeah, till Bill came up, but
1: yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Yeah, it's, it, it's more gunfu. Yeah, definitely. There's some martial arts grappling, uh, the judo uh, aspect to it, but you're right. I mean, a one inch punch with a nine millimeter, that's not really fair. So,
2: I mean, what? like, like hard boiled is closer to like a John Wick than John Wick is to say, I don't know, inner. You know Bloodsport. whatever martial arts film,
0: yeah, yeah, Bloodsport's a great example. It's a tournament yeah. film, right? Mortal Kombat yeah. uh, would probably classify as a martial arts film because it, it's a tournament film. You have this whole, zo- you know, <laughs> there we go. Look at me, it's <laughs> <laughs> you have this uh, whole subgenre of martial arts movies, which are are your tournament films. But John Wick, Equilibrium is another good one with Christian Bale. I love that film, but it's it's straight up gun yeah. Um But today, what we were, what we wanted to talk about was what are our top three martial arts films so we're, we're trying to concentrate on the hand-to-hand combat maybe a little hand to sword whatever it is but i'm gonna start with you john because we've we've had a week to go back and forth through this list we're gonna share our top three and i'm i have i have an idea of where yours are gonna land because we i think traded picks left and right for an entire week and i know my list has changed like 16 times brad i have no idea where you're gonna land on this but let, let's start with you john Okay. Yeah, I mean you're right.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was it was a really fun debate. Um, I didn't quite hit 16, but I did go back and forth. My number ones and twos were always locked. Um, number three, I had to go back and forth a little bit. Uh, but the irony was, it was because of the movie itself. Um, it was the same martial artist, uh, Chuck Norris. I finally came back around and said, you know what? Now it, it has to be Lone Wolf McQuaid.
0: Holy cow! Ca- what a what
1: a that's a fun pick. Yeah. I mean, Chuck Norris, David Carradine. Um, it was just an awesome, awesome movie, and I will never forget watching it for the first time in my uncle Rick's house. Um, and I was just like, "Holy cow! This is this was awesome." I mean, I flipped back and forth because the other movie I was thinking about going was The Octagon, but Ooh, ninjas, yes. Uh, but Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf McQuade, just just pulled it out it was just i to me it was just a great movie all around um it had everything you know and, and chuck norris i thought it was one of his best movies ever
0: that one is i i i think it's interesting because it's a martial arts movie that's core but it also has all these western elements to it so oh, yeah which which give it you know this flavor and obviously it i it's the inspiration for what is his tv show the texas ranger texas ranger yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. Pick. T- Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what it was. Yeah. I yeah. would have gone with the ninjas, but Hey, it's your pick right now.
1: You know, wait, when, when you have a movie where you have someone like Chuck Norris and David Carradine um, I'm not sure how many people knew this um, agreed that, you know what, we are not using stunt doubles in our final climactic battle. And that's actually the, both of them going at it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I love, That's just awesome. I love that showdown. It's a set of guns, your,
1: your fists, right? Yeah, you know, and you said it. It was it was a it was a martial arts spaghetti Western. So would that be like a Chow Mein martial arts movie?
0: Type? Yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> I a that would be a great subgenre, kind of like <laughs> Stranger <laughs> in the Gunfighter with Lee Van Cleef. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, Brad, what's your number three? I I have no idea where you're coming at with this one. So I'm
2: gonna. I'm going to guess the star of this film might be brought up a few times okay. in our list. Um, it is a Shogosugi film. Oh. It is from 1985. Ooh. It is directed by Gordon Lesler. It is Pray for Death.
0: Oh my god, I love um, that film. That is so fun.
2: When we started this podcast, um, Troy and I talked about that movie and I had said, you know, I'd never seen it. Troy immediately sent me a copy and, and I watched it and it's literally one of my favorite movies period it's so fun if, it, if you haven't seen it see it immediately and thank us later
0: i i agree with you 100 i mean i i yes. love the ninja series uh revenge of the ninja i mean enter there's so much fun but pray for death i think is one of his best films if if not it it's probably his best one that he did it's got what that special it? sauce it does it and related. the
1: coolest looking ninja outfit
0: yes yes it does so you can't go okay so I'm going to tell you who didn't make me, and this kills me here. Here are the ones that kept coming back and forth. I, I really so bad wanted to pick a Cynthia Rothrock film. I love Cynthia Rothrock. Oh. I, I love all of her movies that she did with Richard Norton. I even love the China O'Brien series. Um, I, I love the stuff she did in, you know, Hong Kong. Yes, madam Shanghai express writing wrongs, AKA above the law, but couldn't pick those cause they weren't American films. But I really wanted to highlight something with Cynthia Rothrock. The other one I thought about was Scott Atkins because all the stuff that he's been doing, like the Ninja films and um, he's he's doing a lot of direct-to-streaming or direct-to-video stuff and it's good quality stuff. I mean, anytime I see his name, I, I'm in for it. And probably, you know, his biggest film he's done lately was he was in the Doctor Strange film, but I mean, I, I don't even know if he had a speaking role for that. He was just some guy that got beat up, right? Yep. They didn't make the list. Um, I'm going back to 1991. This is one of my favorite films of the 90s, early 90s. And this guy, I thought he was destined to be the next Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, and I'll say this right now. If you watch him in just this one movie alone, you would have to agree that he could act circles around Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, which I know isn't hard to do, but he's that good. And I'm, I'm going with 1991's The Perfect Weapon, with none other than Jeff Speakman. Um, It also has James Hong, Professor Toro Tanaka, and Roger Yuan, and uh, is it Mako? M-A-K-O? Is that how you say it?
2: Yeah, Mako. Mako? Mako, Yep. So it's
0: directed by Mark DeSalle. He also directed Kickboxer. He produced Bloodsport, Death Warrant, and Street Night, which was the second film by Jeff Speakman. The stunt fight coordinator was Rick Avery. Now, Rick Avery did so many stunts uh, for tons of television and TV. He's like 419 credits on IMDb just for his stunt work alone. But what Speakman did was American Kenpo Japanese uh, Goju Ryu Karate. Karate. (laughs) And I got to tell you, there are sequences in The Perfect Weapon that are so much fun to watch, especially when he just goes into a gym and uh, is trying to get some information from a couple of guys and decides to kind of throw down. And you have all these sweaty guys in jeans. Like Jeff Speakman just takes his shirt off. He's just in jeans, and he just starts beating up. But when he goes into full kempo and oh, is hitting yeah. a guy like 15 times as quick as possible, and then when he takes his sticks out towards the end, I mean, that entire film is a great, great, I don't know, demonstration of kempo Karate. But what's yes. just – he is – I find him super charming in that film. And he's one of the guys that, man, I, I just wish they had done more with him and uh, j- just giving him, you know, all of the films, action films, of the early 90s, because I, I think he would have been a big star.
1: I agree. Jeff Beekman, perfect weapon. That was an awesome, awesome
0: movie. He was supposed to get, I think, speed, um, and then they moved that over to Keanu Reeves, but uh, that was originally a script he was going to do. So,
1: oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I remember you telling me that.
0: Yeah. Have Have you ever yeah. seen
1: that, Brad? I have
2: not. Just speakman is not someone I have much experience with, to be honest with you. You got to
0: go check it out, man. You have to yeah. check out the bur- – yeah. now, Street Night, it's very slow, but it has a good finish. Uh, the expert's not bad. He just – I don't know. I mean, he's still running martial arts schools. He's doing a lot of um, – hosting a lot of tournaments and seminars, et cetera. Uh, I think he battled throat cancer for a while and beat it. Uh, but you know, he's, he's fantastic in this film. And I think it's one of the best, uh, martial arts films that came out in the eighties and nineties.
1: Yeah. He his, That movie was supposed to launch a whole new genre and a whole new wave of martial arts films. It, it's a shame. Speakman was awesome. He, he He's
0: a great martial artist. Oh, I agree. All right, John, your number two. <sighs>
1: okay. American martial number arts two film. is kind of easy and it's a movie from one of the greatest periods you could ever grow up in the eighties. Um, a little known film, but once word got around, he just exploded, and it was just off the wall, off the chains, awesomeness. And it has spawned so much cultural references that still live on today. Um, it, it's 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 amazing, and I and and I'm talking about uh, Barry Gordy's The Last oh. Dragon.
0: Oh my god! Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it, yes. It, it was
1: a movie. Uh, I remember seeing in uh, Fort Meade at the movie theater on post theater, and it was absolutely amazing. I mean, from the martial arts to the comedy, to the script, to the music, it had it all. I mean, it was great. Time vanity. Uh, oh man. What's it? Julius Carey. Right? Oh my God. He steals that movie. show enough. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, he's the Shogun of Harlem. Yeah, Shogun of Harmon. Harlem. It was it was a movie that just really oh man, I can't tell you how much it impacted me as a kid because after we saw that movie, it was just all we could talk about for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um because it, it was just great. I mean, it was just a great, fun movie that had actual martial arts, except for Julius Carey. He he didn't know much. Um but they pulled it off and it was it was just amazing
0: i I agree and if if you head on over to the back look cinema podcast um zach and zo do an episode on the last dragon it's super fun to listen to but i i gotta tell you and i I think i heard this on their podcast they equated it to kung fu with almost lightsabers i mean when they get the glow and everything else oh yeah you're, you're combining sort of the best elements of star wars with the cheesiness of um, you know late seventies black exploitation cinema with Bruce Lee martial arts and and it, I gotta tell you that movie instantly the the minute it starts and you get that theme song I'm instantly smiling for like an hour and a half I love yeah. it and and yeah. oh my god the soundtrack alone is worth the price of admission.
1: And I think that's what helps make the movie, that soundtrack that just goes along with it. I mean, <laughs> Timac is, he was just amazing. I uh, still a practitioner of Jikundo, Kune Do, I, I believe. Um, but yeah, and you know, the arrow scene where at the very beginning of the movie, if you guys have not seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think it was like four, you know, two or four hours they were shooting that, but he actually did that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually did that. I mean, that's. Awesome. And Julius Carey, I loved him because he came up in two of my, one of my favorite shows, uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: last, yeah. And the last movie I saw, which I thought was hilarious was the new guy. He was the head coach of the football team. and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) who's the baddest coach in whatever school this is. I mean, it's just awesome movie,
0: man. The the thing that I, I wish. So when we were at the Baltimore comic-con, We talked to a group of artists that was working with Columbia Pictures, and they had put together some concept art that was basically going to do a prequel to The Last Dragon, and it was called The Shogun of Harlem, and it was supposed to be the story of how he became the show. I want that comic book. I want that movie so bad, Uh, but I wanted it like 20 years ago, Um, and I, I remember... Man, just just when you say The Last Dragon, that theme song just kicks in my head, and it's you are the last dragon. <laughs> I love it. Love it.
1: Yeah, and that's what's killing me is hearing that they're trying to do a, a, a reboot. I, I'm okay you know with it. I'm okay with it. I'm not. The movie is like, leave it alone. We don't need it.
0: It depends what they do. They can't take your original away, right? You still got that. That's true. Then don't touch Big Trouble in Little China. We're we're. it. <laughs> That one's off limits. Everything else is good. Brad, are you yep. are you a Last Dragon fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. Cool. You can stay in the club then.
2: Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. What's your number two, Brad? Hit us.
2: All right. My number two. It is a 2003 film. It has characters names like California Mountain Snake, uh, Sidewinder, uh, Copperhead, Snake Charmer. Oh God, Cottonmouth, and she's Black Mamba. It oh. is Kill Bill Volume 1. Volume 1?
0: Yes. Okay. The only
2: reason, okay, so I really love Volume 2 very much, but my problem with Volume 2 is I am extremely claustrophobic, and I have a horrendous fear of being buried alive. So when she is buried alive in the casket, uh, I literally will go into a, a panic attack. And I'm not one of these people that gets like that, but it it I can watch any sort of movie i've watched all that crazy french horror films i've watched stuff i should never see doesn't bother me seeing uma thurman buried alive in a casket and she's trying to one inch punch her way out literally makes me want to almost get sick i like volume 2 cuz i like the crazy 88s uh scene a lot um the anime part is really cool i i you know that that film is is what am I going to say? I mean, it's one of Tarantino's best films. Um, it's, it, you know, it's the music. I think the music in that one really kind of makes it stand out. You know, I, I there's a the talk about volume three and I, I don't I just, know how I feel about it, but I I think I would be okay with it. I think I would be okay with it, it, it because deb- I like, I like samurai cinema and I like, uh, you know, spaghetti Westerns and if I got another one of those from Tarantino, I would be
0: fine. I'm. I would love for them. So I know you can get it now, and I'm. I'm sending you a copy, Brad. But you, you can get the whole bloody affair, which is Kill Bill Volume One and Two, kind of put together as a single movie. I'm. I'm waiting for somebody to come out and do that proper with Tarantino. You know, overseeing that restoration, and I would love it in 4K. ki I wouldn't mind a Volume Three, but I, I got to ask you since. Um, you're the Tarantino expert here. I, I'm kind of with you. Volume one is a lot of fun. I but man, I love that action sequence between Uma Thurman and um, I can't even think of her name right now. But she has the eye patch. Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah
0: Hannah. in the trailer. Because yep. I, I love martial martial arts sequences that are done in sort of unique spaces. Confined spaces, yeah. In confined spaces, I mean you really got to think outside the box in terms of making it exciting. And I think that's one of the best examples of it done right in terms of choreography because I think that's probably one of the best I, I know the last part of, of volume one with the you know, Crazy Eighty Eight, it's gory, it's a lot of fun. But man, that sequence in volume two is is to me the best sequence in it in terms of martial arts
2: yeah, I like the Vivica a Fox uh, fight as well oh, um, that's in the good house. Too. yeah, um there just is one part I, I when I see it now, I can't I can't unsee it. She, Vivica A Fox is kicked into like a shelf that has like plates and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. and it's really bad, like choreographed because she just kind of jumps back and and lands into the shelf. and every time it kind of takes me out for a second, I'm like, oh, that was a really bad take. I can't believe someone like Tarantino let that be in his film. But anyway, uh, that's my that's my
0: number two as a kill volume one love that pick all right my number two um it's also from the 90s it's a year later from the perfect weapon it's another one that the minute I saw in the theater I just fell in love with and watched it on VHS and DVD and um I, yeah, I'm waiting for the 4k of it although I, I don't think it'll happen but uh it stars somebody that we lost very early and we shouldn't have uh, and a lot of people will pick um, his other film that sort of kind of pushed him into stardom um the crow but i will go back and pick 1992's rapid fire with brandon lee powers booth and al leong so al leong is is your henchman in every film and there, there's a great sequence between uh brandon lee and al leong towards the end that is fantastic you and it's really good martial arts kung fu kundo but it was directed by dwight h little I think it's interesting. This director did Halloween for the return of Michael Myers March for death. The Steven Seagal film and murder at 1600 a Wesley Snipes film. So he's kind of played around in all different types of genres. The choreography is done by Clint Kadina. And what's interesting is he's also done some choreography for some great films like the rundown with the rock Christopher Walken. The, the choreography in that and the fight sequences are really good. He also worked on The Crow with Brandon Lee, Demolition Man, and Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And again, with with Rapid Fire, the type of martial arts you're seeing in there is Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's martial arts. But you also see some Filipino style in martial arts. And, And there's an entire sequence when Brandon Lee is sort of going undercover. He's wearing a wire, and he ends up in this restaurant with this Italian mafia. And everybody is, like, shooting the place up, and he's trying to stay alive while taking all the guys out. Uh, it, it's fantastic. It, it's just such a fun sequence. And that happens in the middle of the film. So um, I, I don't know what you guys think about rapid fire. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's,
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Love that movie. Um, you're right. We lost him uh, way too early. Um, Brandon Lee was, was, he was amazing. That movie was amazing. Powers booth. <laughs> I love powers booth. Um, that movie was just, you know, from a guy who wants to be, you know, uh, left alone to all of a sudden kicking everybody's tail. Yes. And Gotta gracefully. Love it. So love gracefully. It. So good. Yes.
2: Yeah, I saw it obviously after the crow. Um, actually like way later than the crow. It was just kind of going back and trying to discover more of of Brandon Lee and then going back and discovering Rapid Fire. So I, I like it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean Showdown in Little Tokyo is a lot of fun just because as Dolph lundgren mm-hmm. um yep. I don't think the action is as good and it's kind of goofy, but Rapid Fire I think is just it's a well made film all around. In the martial arts is fantastic. All right, John, we're down to the number one. So the question posed to you was what is the best, the greatest American made martial arts film? What did you pick as number one?
1: I had to pick, of course, um, the best, the most successful martial arts movie ever made who stars the father of Brandon Lee, that would be Bruce Lee in 1973's Enter the Dragon, Warner Brothers.
2: Very nice. That's my number one as well.
0: See? Wow. <laughs> that's the is, same wavelength. I mean. Yeah, that's not my number one. But I, I can see where everybody
1: would pick that. Yeah, that's why I drew funny pictures on your face when you fell asleep. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Lee, John Saxon, the great Jim Kelly, Bolo Young, uh, Jackie Chan's 10 Seconds. Yes, uh, on, uh, went in and uh, Enter the Dragon. Um, the movie people just don't understand the the cultural impact it had, not only here in the United States. Of course, China did great. Did not do as great as um, was it uh, The Big Boss and uh, front uh, of the Dragon. Um, but I mean, you had a movie because of the way it was filmed and and the martial arts that was displayed, spawned as an example all our fighting games that we get to enjoy today the arena combats um a lot of the movies octagon uh i mean a lot of it was comes back to how enter the dragon told its story and the martial arts within it wow i mean bruce lee lost him um as well way too early um it was just one of those films that uh, yeah, if it's on, I'm going to watch it. I don't care if it's the, I don't care if it's the credit scene. I'm just going to watch it. I mean, it's just, (laughs) the movie was just incredible. Um, You know, came out the year I was born. So I guess that's why it's really that great. But yeah, enter the dragon is number one. So why'd you pick it, Brad?
2: Uh, I, I mean, it was probably the, the first time I saw a martial arts film. That was, it felt grand to me. like, it was just this because before then it was all you know Shaw Brothers stuff, and that was like very minimal. You know, the set pieces were small, the sets themselves were very um, sort of minimal, and this was the first time I saw a martial arts film. I was like, "Oh, this is how they do it!" Um, and of course, like Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee. Like he's just electric, and you know things like Game of Death and stuff. You're laying that groundwork, but Enter the Dragon was in it all came together. And then you have like, you know, just guys like Jim Kelly, who just there, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is great. Uh, The mirror fight is amazing. It's like Enter the Dragon also sort of spawned every sort of fighting game, you know, modern fighting game. All of them kind of take this idea of having like an international tournament. Street Fighters like that, Mortal Kombat's like that. Um, You know, they all borrow that stuff. So even just as its importance on culture now, I mean, I know like Dragon Ball, the manga was kind of heavily inspired by Enter the Dragon. Um, So all those things that it just kind of helped create because it was such a a huge film. I mean, they made that movie for $850,000 and it made... I think something like $350 million. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's insane. It
1: huge. And
2: when you like, and that's in 1973. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure with inflation, that's a billion dollars. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I you can't even fathom that a martial arts film, a pure martial arts film today would gross a billion dollars. It's, it's mind blowing that, yeah. I mean, it would never happen now, but, you know, it's just a testament to Bruce Lee's charisma and why in 1973, uh, you know, white America found it OK to see a guy like him on screen and um, kind of root for him, which, you, you know, and again, you had a black guy who was one of the main characters, too. So you're you're. I know exploitation, black exploitation was around, but, you know, that's a, like it's an important film to culture itself.
0: I agree 100%. I, I mean, even if you go back and look at sort of the Marvel magazines, like Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, every issue had a Bruce Lee reference. And
2: yeah, Shang-Chi is based on Bruce Lee.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I, I, it it just infiltrated pop culture. It infiltrated books, comics, other movies. You know, Shaw Brother films were out there and they were being shown in sort of, um all these different like main, not mainstream cinemas, but sort of your 42nd street cinemas, stuff like that, sort of your dive cinemas and Kung Fu films were there. I mean, Kung Fu was a TV show, so it, it was there, but it didn't really reach mainstream popularity until enter the dragon came out. And then everybody sort of caught Bruce Lee fever at that point. So it, it just can't I don't know. It, it, it's hard to describe. I would love to go back just at my age right now and go see it in the theater. Like if you were talking about films, if you could get in a time machine and go back and say, Hey, what movie would you like to go and and go back in time and watch with an audience of that time period? That would be one of them. I, I think it would be amazing just to kind of catch everybody's reaction to seeing this for the first time, especially in a mainstream auditorium.
1: Yeah. Cause um, you know, enter the dragon. If I remember right. Uh, didn't they release it on like less than 10 in 10 theaters? And then because of that reaction, then they just they just opened it wide open for distribution. And then that's when it just really blew up because the word of mouth started getting around, even in 1973, calling them up on their dial phones, you know, the rotary phones and saying, hey, you got to go check out this movie. It was just it was just awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it was it was sort of a co-production, uh, I think, between Warner Brothers um, and and I can't remember the studio at that point in it concord productions i I think so but warner brothers picked up a majority of the tab because they were releasing it internationally so while while it was co-financed warner brothers wasn't going to put you know go all in with their own money but obviously i mean it is known as you know the beginning or if if not just sort of the first american martial arts film so you you can definitely see where the quality is there and it it still holds up today
1: yes oh yeah oh yeah and they were smart enough to bring Bruce Lee in starting in 1972 to co- start collaborating. You know, if he, if he was to give in, you know, his vision of how a martial arts movie should be done Hollywood style, how would he do it? And then here we are, Enter the Dragon.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not my number one. I think you guys are close to the number one, but it is not the number one. Um, and you're close because you picked a film that uh, has a person in it that is um, the star of my number one film. I, I got to be honest with you, I I really I love Bruce Lee films, don't get me wrong, but when I saw Enter the Dragon, he was not the coolest person in Enter the Dragon, in my opinion. Um, as much as I loved watching Bruce Lee fight, nobody carried themselves the way Jim Kelly did in that film. Jim <laughs> Kelly was the man, and he was the guy that I just went nuts over, and I was so mad at that movie. Um, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen (laughs) Hair of the dragon, but it's been a while. So you've had time, but when Jim Kelly dies, I was crushed as a kid because he was the dude I was rooting for more than anything else. So I was what? No, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I know you, yeah. I'm trying to think
2: what your favorite Jim Kelly movie is. I think I know what it is.
0: Oh, it it's hands down Black Belt Jones Black from Belt 1974. Jones. Okay. Okay. Yep, I was going to go It, it yep. is one of my favorite films and and it's funny as we were talking about this list, I really questioned myself because for somebody to sit here and go, Troy, everybody's going to pick Enter the Dragon, but you're going to sit there and tell me Black Belt <laughs> Jones for you is a better film. So I'm like, "You know what? I'm I'm going to make sure I watch it on vacation." And sure enough, I watched it and watched it a couple times. I mean, I love that film. And here's the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize. So, Super Cop. Um, I know everybody's seen Super Cop, right? Police Story 3. Yep. Yes. Yes. So, Jackie Chan, Michelle Yo. What makes that movie great is you get this fantastic chemistry. Of Jackie is that Chan. the one where Michelle Yeoh jumps the motorcycle onto the train? Yeah, you get that entire yeah. stunt sequence towards the end where Jackie Chan is like, "Hey, I'm going to do these stunts," and Stanley, and he was he didn't want Michelle Yeoh to do all the the crazy stunts that she ended up doing. So Stanley Tong was like, "Hey, Jackie, go over there and buy some ice cream." Okay, Michelle, grab the motorcycle and go do this thing. And she was trying to outdo him. And she
2: never chose, she's never ridden
0: now. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> but what's amazing about that is you just have this female lead that is just as cool, just as powerful as Jackie Chan. And that's what makes Supercop so great. I'm telling you, uh, in 1974, they were the first to do it. Because you didn't just get Jim Kelly, but you got Gloria Hendry, um, who plays Scatman Crothers' daughter, uh, who, once Scatman Crothers kind of gets knocked off by um, the local gang, she comes in to uh, find out what's going on. What with... now? Just that sense alone, Scatman Crothers runs a kung fu school, and his after being knocked off, his daughter comes in. So it ends up being Gloria. Hendry. Poor
2: Scatman, man, he just can't make it through a movie. I know.
0: <laughs> so Gloria, you get this whole movie is Gloria Hendry beating. up uh, There's this fantastic sequence where she walks into a pool hall. And these three guys are like, you know, why are you coming in here? What are you doing? Da, da da And then she wipes the floor with them and she's really good. And you get her and Jim Kelly going at it with these action sequences. It is a Jim Kelly film, but I love the fact that there's all, there's all these sequences. There's, there's, there's this whole um, Jim Kelly, you know, gets some news. He's got to go after the bad guys and Glory Hendry's there. And then, you know, she picks up a thirty eight and she's getting it ready, and he's like, "No, no, 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 you stay here. You like, do the dishes or something." And then she turns around and shoots the dishes up. She's like, "Look, they're done. So let's go. So you've got a just uh, this badass female who is ready to kick ass alongside Jim Kelly. And that movie is so much fun. The soundtrack is fun. you've You've got it's also directed by Robert Klaus, who did Enter the Dragon. Um, he also directed Jackie Chan's Battle Creek Brawl. Uh, force five he did um china o'brien with cynthia rothrock he also made the worst uh martial arts movie of all time jim kata he directed that one but even then that movie's amazing it's it's kind of fun yeah it's so it's so bad but it's fun um and the fight coordinator for black belt jones was robert wall who was actually o'hara in enter the dragon yep so um and and what you get to see uh, the style of martial arts in it is okinawan karate because that's what jim kelly um sort of practiced and was known for uh but i and i can't i can't underestimate how awesome and groovy and cool the music is from i think it's lucha de jesus but that that black bell jones uh soundtrack i mean the enter the dragon soundtrack by Lalo chiffon shift i think uh is really good but it doesn't nothing compares to the black bell jones soundtrack so <laughs> no.
2: I've never – so Hot Potato is the, is the sequel to that film. Is that correct? Correct. It's I've never seen Hot Potato. It's
0: very goofy. Okay. Um, it's, it's goofy. I, I still like it. I mean there's – the thing with Jim Kelly is I, I really think he should have been bigger than what he was. I mean he got a three-picture deal when he did Enter the Dragon, Black Belt Jones. I think um, he did a – the Golden Needles or something with um Joe Don Baker or Don yeah, uh, Baker. The third film after that. But you know, he did Black Samurai, some of these other things. Um, he, he's a fascinating guy. I mean, in his later years, he ended up competing. I mean, he's a natural athlete. So he ended up competing on the senior men's uh uh pro tennis um circuit and did really well. So But he has so much charm and charisma. And, you know, of all the martial arts films, and and I think with martial arts, it comes down to a couple of things. Anybody can, you know, kick somebody in the face and make it look good or make it look gritty, et cetera. But there's something about watching a movie and watching the style and sort of appreciating it almost like you're watching a musical and then having fun with it and having all these elements work because just having people kicking the face, you know, kick each other in the face, it's not interesting. It's all the stuff that is around the face kicking that it's just got to pull you in. And I don't think a movie does it better than Black Belt Jones. Um I think The Last Dragon gets there, but I mean, nobody's as cool as Jim Kelly. Yeah, Jim Kelly is the coolest guy in the room. He he is. I mean, yeah. Um, but that's my number one pick. And like I said, enter the dragon. I, I 100% support your, you guys as number one. But for me, Bruce Lee didn't, didn't really do it for me as much as Jim Kelly did. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because it's just the style. Jim Kelly had style, man. No, it, <laughs> no. i mean, Are we saying that Bruce Lee didn't have style.
2: Are we
1: going that's, what, that's or, what he's
0: saying. That's what it sounds like. Bruce Lee didn't have Jim Kelly style. Okay.
1: okay. So. No, but Bruce Lee had smarts enough to say, Hey, you know what, who else is cool? Jim Kelly. Yes. You want to do a movie with us? No, hey, he's fantastic.
0: So. I, I love Jim Kelly's story. I mean, he I mean, he used to play, I think, for um, football in the Louisville area, right, Brad? Because he's he's from Kentucky.
2: He is from Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just
0: remember this story about Jim Kelly that in his freshman year of uh, football, um, his coach was making some racist remarks to a couple other team members, and he just quit. He's like, I'm not putting up with oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's he, how he got into martial arts.
2: I think he played – I want to say it was like – bourbon county i think i want to say it's bourbon county um high school which is in paris kentucky yeah. so yeah um you know and this is not gonna be controversial or anything like that if jim kelly was a white guy with that much charisma and that much coolness he would have been huge
0: he um, absolutely
2: i mean I, it's,
0: I, it's unfortunate that he just was 20 years too early I agree. Yeah. I mean, Black Belt Jones for me is an important film because it combines. You, you had kung fu films out there. You had End of the Dragon* and everything else. You had black exploitation films. It was the first film that I think merged those two genres together, brought them together. But more importantly, it it's kind of progressive for its time because it's giving the leading lady as many you know chances to perform action and not rely on you know the the main lead, the male lead. Uh, to save her all the time. I mean, she's throwing punches and kicks as much as black belt Jones and, and Gloria Hendry is amazing in it. She's, she's an amazing actress anyways. I mean, she has yeah. a great filmography, but my favorite movie she's done is, is black belt Jones. So,
2: okay. So I looked it up. He okay. did go to bourbon County high school in Paris, but the racist comic came from the university of Louisville.
0: That's what it was. Um, he was yep.
2: playing football, but Troy, he also learned, he learned his, um, karate in lexington so where i was from so you might have been training in lexington when i was there
0: did did maybe jim kelly train you no no okay all right (laughs) um man those are great picks i mean this i do miss that time period where hollywood or somebody would go out and just find some dude that was really good on the tournament circuit and say let's turn you into a movie star right you just don't see that as much anymore. You you see like Keanu Reeves doing all the martial arts movies and, and the gun it's all acting films.
2: acting first. And then we can teach you to, I don't want to say fake it. Cause that's not right. They're not really faking it, but we can train you to do the martial arts good enough for movies. Cause you know, the martial arts on movies is a little different than real life martial arts for the most part, especially the stuff that Keanu Reeves is doing um actor you want to get an actor first then train not the other way around
0: well you got what what's his name george st pierre from ufcm I mean, he's in he's in yep. the mcu as a villain um and he's he's a fantastic martial artist but i i just missed you're right brad i mean they're te- they're teaching acting first or they go after the actors and say we're going to teach you martial arts i miss the days when that was inverted and went well you're a really good martial artist then we'll maybe teach it act and if you can't act we'll find people that are good actors around you but um that's what makes jim kelly so special i thought i think he's an amazing actor and he was great at martial arts and of course you know the the end of black belt jones is this big you know karate fight in a um what looks like a truck car wash and there's suds and everything else going around so with with this awesome funky music in the background i mean i i can spend all night talking about black belt jones i love that film you almost have. I know. So let's yeah. our our time guys going to be mad. Yeah, <laughs> because we haven't even gotten into the uh, you know, the details of the movie we're talking tonight. We're just sitting here talking about, you know, face kicking from the 80s, 90s and 70s. But Brad, let's talk about Drive 1997. So this was my pick for this week. It was. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm not going to lie. I had an easy week this week. Okay. Um because the the official release date for this film is is kind of hard to pin down. I think I premiered on HBO in August of 97. That's kind of what I found. Um, I did find the budget. The budget was $3.5 million. It was straight to video. So there is no box office for this film. I did do some, some festivals and things like that. Um, I looked up kind of how that works. And there's a, there are times when that budget goes into your marketing budget because you sometimes have to submit a film and pay an entry fee for some of those festivals. So it actually can cost you money. Um, but you're hoping that, you know, word of mouth will, you know, will kind of help your, your film get seen, but they moved it straight to video. And, uh, so Troy, when we were talking about August of
0: 1997, do you remember what movie we were talking about? I have no clue, dude. I'm, I'm coming off vacation. I had to go back to work today. I used all my brain cells for that. Okay, so
2: August of 1997, <laughs> we talked about Event Horizon. Oh, boy. Um, okay. So that, oh. that came out the same month. Um, other films. We have Air Bud. Um, okay. We have Conspiracy Theory, which uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Julia Roberts.
0: Richard Donner film, who... Yes, Richard passed, Donner. Right?
2: Okay. The third Free Willy film.
0: There were three Free Willys?
2: There were three Free...
0: Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> okay. There were
2: three Free Willy films. Movies. Okay. And I think there's probably more than that. Oh boy. Uh, the, the full Monty.
0: Amazing uh, film. Yes.
2: Yep. Excellent film. Copland.
0: Amazing film. That was good.
2: <sighs> A movie you're trying to make me watch for this damn podcast. And I said, no, I literally put my foot down. You said steel.
3: I'm not watching steel. <laughs> I'm not doing
0: it. G. Why?
2: I'm not know watching what? steel and I'm not watching Kazam.
0: Okay. Fine.
2: Uh, G.I. Jane and Mimic all came out August of 1997. Um, I believe Event Horizon is episode 19 of our podcast. So if you want to hear us talk about that movie, go back there. Also, I wanted to talk about um, the top grossing films of 1997. Okay. Do we all know what the number one grossing film of 1997 was? It was not Event Horizon. It was... (laughs) One time, the biggest film of all time, James Cameron.
0: Oh, would it be Titanic?
2: Titanic. Um, $2.2 billion for Titanic. Jeez. Um, Rounding out the top five, we have The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Men in Black, Tomorrow Never Dies, In my jam, Air Force One.
0: (laughs) Air Force (laughs) One, huh?
2: Yep. Um, Critically... Uh, Straight to video, so no critics uh, review this film. Audience score, though, 68%. Okay. Um, I also looked up on Amazon because I trust Amazon. No, I don't. But um, the rating system on Amazon is always spot on. (laughs) So there are, I think, 158 global reviews for Drive. 72% are five-star reviews.
0: Oh, wow. There you go. All right. And this is, again, when we talk about Mark, this was not on your ra- – um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, those kind of films. I mean, heck, Iron Chef. I think a lot of people knew from there, the, You know, but not this one, right? Not this one. Okay. Well, before we talk about the people in front of the camera, let's talk about some of the folks behind the camera. This This is interesting to me. If you were to look at everybody who created this film, and I'm not talking about the people that they got to star in it, we're talking about the writers, the producers, the director, the action choreographer. If you were to look at this on paper now and say, well, I'm going to judge whether or not to watch this movie based on who's involved in making it, you would see a lot of people involved in Power Rangers. Like That's what they're known for. The TV series, the film, um, a lot of Japanese TV shows like that to where you get martial arts sort of kid fare, And, and that's, that's their resume through and through. Um, director Steve Wang is a little bit different. If you look at his filmography, uh, one of the first films he did was 1991's The Giver, which is based on, and Brad, help me out here. That was a Japanese manga, right? Yes, it was. And there was an anime series on that as well.
1: Yes. 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 And it's awesome. Watch it.
0: Okay. Um, so he did that in 91. Um, he did Kung Fu Rascals in 92. Mark Hamill's in that, by yes. the way. Yes. Yes. That's right. Uh, went back and did a sequel to The Giver, um three years later, 1994's Guyver Dark Hero. Um, then three years later, did Drive. And then from then on, I mean, Power Rangers, Lost Galaxy, the TV series, Sirens of the Deep. But Steve Wang has a very limited um, filmography when it comes to director. However, one of the things that he was known for wasn't really directing, but it was special effects. Specifically, creature effects, sculptor, painter, designer, et cetera. Here are some of the movies that he's worked on from most recent to the past. Uh, he worked on Bill and Ted Face the Music in 2020, um, Aliens vs. Predator Requiem in 2007, Lady in the Water in 2006, uh, one of your favorites, John, Underworld 2003. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, the Cave in 2005, um, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. So I think what? he was one of the, yeah, sculptor and designer on that.
2: I literally no. just watched that movie. What
0: <laughs> um, a weird week, guys! Spaced Invaders from 1990. I don't know if you remember that. Oh my the Martians gosh! Martians yes. that come down and so yeah. I think he's part of the design on the creature look for that. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child from 1989. He was special effects on that. Deep Star Six in 1989. Oh. Which has an amazing creature in it that he helped design. If you want to hear a great episode, just go back and listen to our friend Sammy from The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. They did an awesome episode on Deep Star 6. It was so good I went out and bought the Blu-ray after <laughs> um, hearing them talk about it. But um, Yeah, I'm but, sure they really had to twist your arm for you to do that, Troy. Yeah, not much. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that film. Um, Hell Comes to Frogtown in 1988 with Roddy Piper. Uh, the monster squad in 87 predator. Excellent. Here you go, Brad predator in 87. He was special effects on that.
2: Oh, that's Sean McTiernan's best film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, die hard. But, um, Harry and the Henderson's 1987. That's where no he got started. Yeah. So, oh, wow. It is amazing. I mean, Steve Wang comes in and is directing, you know, very small amount of films, but he is still working to this day in special effects. And that's what he's known for. And again, he kind of does it all. He's done creature effects, um, he's done sculpting, um, painter design. And all of these things, he's either in some way sort of helped create the memorable scenes of all those films we talked about. Um, writer, Scott Phillips. Not much to know about him. I, I think this is one of the few things that he did. Uh, let's talk about the reason why we're talking about this film and um the fight choreography or stunt coordinator. It is um Kochi Sakamoto and Alpha Stunts. Okay, so that was his stunt team. And again. Um, alpha stunts. Great name. Great name. Love that. And there's a lot of different variations of alpha stunts, but we're talking about the original alpha stunts from like the, the mid nineties. Um, but, um, Koichi was director, producer, actor, and stunt coordinator. He's best known as an executive producer, fight coordinator and director for the long running power Rangers franchise. He's done everything for that franchise. That's what he's known for. Um, but he was also stunt coordinator and did stunts on Giver in 1994 Turbo, a Power Rangers movie in 1997. Um, he was a stunt coordinator on uh, Hellraiser Inferno, I think, which was one of the direct-to-video sequels. Um, Dracula 2000, stunt coordinator. And Mimic 2, stunt coordinator. So outside of the Power Rangers, he was still working as an action or stunt coordinator. But if you look at his filmography, most of it is peppered with everything for Power Rangers. I mean, that, that's what Alpha Stunts was really working on.
2: Yeah, Ultraman he does a lot of Ultraman yeah. too, which is basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, Power Rangers is just a different flavor, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get hate for that because yeah,
2: I've, it's not the same. But I'm sure yeah, it's not sure. the same,
0: but I mean, Ultraman's cooler. Yeah, Ultraman is cooler. I, hey, I'll I'll say it right now. I remember seeing that Turbo of Power Rangers movie, and I I just didn't think it was all that bad because there's actually some great fight sequences in there for um, you know. Uh, a kid's film. It, it's actually it's better really
2: good. than It's better than that one they put out in 18 or whatever it was.
0: That uh, new one? Yeah, I didn't mind uh, that one either. I mean, except for the back half. Didn't care for it. But again, there's some good choreography in there.
2: I mean, it's called Power Rangers, but they're not Power Rangers for like 10 minutes in that movie. Yeah, I know. Anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk. That That's everybody behind the scenes. Which again, if you were to look at that resume, I don't think any of us, if we were like, wow, a bunch of guys who did Power Rangers did an action film, I, I don't I don't think we would watch it. I think the reason why we watched this, I know the reason why I watched it was for one man. And that's Mark the Costco's who plays Toby Wong in the film. Now, John, you're familiar with Mark, right? Yes. What are some of the movies that come to mind when you hear that beautiful name, Mark the Costco's?
1: Oh gosh. One of my favorites, only the strong, uh, another great, great movie. If you guys have never seen it, crying Freeman. Oh my gosh! Yes, right. Um, Gosh, (laughs) he was uh, zero, and John Wick Parabellum. Yep, chapter three. Yeah, chapter three. Yep. It's his. He's got. He's he's been around. He's he was in uh, Mortal Kombat uh, Legacy. Legacy. Yep. TV show um, as Kung Lao. Oh, he's he's awesome. And he also did uh, in in homage. I think he did a great job um,
0: to Brandon Lee in uh, Crow, the Crow, City of Angels. Um, No, it was the Crow TV show, Stairway to Heaven.
1: Stairway Stairway to Heaven. heaven. That's it. That's it for a year. Stairway to Heaven. My apologies. Yeah, he played uh, Eric Draven. Yeah, Eric Draven. Yeah,
0: it it was. He's
1: crying Freeman though is actually one of I think really sold me on why Mark DeCostas was awesome. Only the Strong was just fun. Drive was just amazing.
0: Okay. Brad, what's your your take on Mark?
2: Uh, I mean, we've mentioned it before. I mean, Brotherhood of the Wolf is one of my favorite films. Um, You know, Crying Freeman, I've seen that before. I do like that. Cradle to the Grave, I have a soft spot for. I I do too.
0: (laughs) I really like him in that film.
2: What is that movie called? He plays a doctor. DNA? Yes. Remember DNA? Oh, that DNA, was right yes. Before this one, yep. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, I have I have gone back and sort of have kind of righted my wrong with Mark Dacascus based on solely, you know, Brother of the Wolf and just being like, oh, that guy's awesome. And then realizing that he did a lot of stuff back in the day. And then this kind of gets off my wall of shame. I will also say, I know this movie is terrible, it is wretched and you should not watch it, but you should watch it because it's so bad. It's good. is double dragon.
0: Yes. I agree hundred oh, percent. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so there was a little bit of debate when we talked about this. Cause I think, um, Ho- you were, Jose was saying he was either Hawaiian, Filipino. You were saying, you know, the other, um, No, I said he was Hawaiian. You said he's he born Hawaiian. in the United States. Right. So, uh, Mark was born in, uh, Oahu, Hawaii. His father, Al DeCoscos, is from Hawaii and is a martial arts instructor whose parents originated from the Philippines and were of Chinese, Filipino and Spanish ancestry. So both of you are right. Mark could be president of the United States. He could be. Yes, yes. Uh, he should be. He He, should be. Yes, I I agree. Um, Especially when you see how good he is on the iron chef TV show, the American version, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. Um, He won numerous karate and Kung Fu championships between the ages of seven and 18. You guys have talked about a lot of his films, I first kind of remember discovering him in 1992's American Samurai. He was, it was, it was one of those films where you're like, well, "Who's that oh, guy?" Yeah. And then when Only the Strong came out, which was the only Hollywood film that showcases Capoeira. Capoeira is that how you say it? Yeah, there's a lot of
1: Capoeira. Oh, Capoeira.
2: Capoeira. Capoeira. Yeah. yeah,
0: there you go. It, but it's an Afro Brazilian martial art.
2: It's Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that movie is fantastic, and he. Did not train in that martial arts, but he learned that for that film. But when you watch that film, you think he'd been doing that his entire life. He is so graceful in that movie.
2: If you want to know Capoeira, DJ in the Street Fighter series says Capoeira. Yes. There
0: you go. Okay. Street Fighter game that was spawned
1: because of Enter the Dragon. Yes.
0: There you go. Then Double Dragon in 1994, which I think was supposed to be sort of his, you know, call into the mainstream. It bombed. I'm sure we're going to talk about it because I have a soft spot for that. And I have a soft spot for that simply because of Mark. Um, he was also in Kickboxer 5, which is really good. And it's really good because of Mark. Um, Crying Freeman came out that same year. We've talked about that. I am so mad that hasn't got a proper U.S. release. Agreed. Uh, it didn't get it theatrically. It certainly hasn't made its way you know, on a special edition Blu-ray. Somebody like Shop Factory needs to pick that sucker up um Sabotage in 96 I totally forgot he is has a bit part in the Island of Dr Moreau from 96 with Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando um DNA we talked about Drive Stairway to Heaven he did that series Eric Draven um The Base in 99 is another sort of oh, straight to video yeah. film that he's really good in so what's amazing about Mark is he will do these films that just fly under the radar except for something like Brotherhood of the Wolf which got you know, major theatrical um, distribution. But all these movies he's done up to that point, they've just flown under the radar and they're super good. Uh, China Strike Force, which was directed by Stanley Tong, who did Police Story 3 Super Cop. Um, He's in that one as well. Cradle to the Grave, we talked about. um, Iron Chef. And then, of course, I feel like everybody is talking about him now because of John Wick 3 Parabellum. And, And he really just steals the entire movie from everybody. He's so good in it. But yes. I, I'm telling you, you have to go back and if you've only seen him in the latest John Wick film or you only saw him in like Iron Chef, you have to go back through his filmography. If you're an action junkie, this guy's fantastic.
1: And I would say for all you MCU fans out there, wasn't he also on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I, he may have been. That's one that
0: I just Hold on.
2: ask me anything about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't. I saw yeah. the first episode and I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. He's no, He, there. Was he's, he did a lot of, yeah, he's done a lot of TV. Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: Do y'all remember that game Stranglehold? Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes. He was a, a voice actor in that as well. Okay. That was the John Woo inspired game.
2: Yes. The John Woo. Yeah. Where you just did a bunch of dives, slow motion dives everywhere. And shot everybody.
1: <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it Great was game. awesome.
0: Loved it. Yes. Um, so let's talk about some of the other folks that are in drive. You've got Kadeem Hardison as Malik Brody. Uh, now everybody remembers him from a different world as Dwayne Wayne. I remember him from a little film. I don't know if you guys have seen this, Rappin' from 1985. Yes. Okay, so I remember him from that, Beat Street in 84, and I'm Gonna Get You Sucker in 1988, <laughs> which Cameron just had a birthday recently, so happy birthday, buddy, he turned 16. On, on his birthday, I'm like, what movie do you want to watch? He's like, hey, I, I saw you got this on Blu-ray. I, the cover just interested me, so we watched I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. Oh, he, my
1: God. Oh, my it. gosh. Great
0: movie. He was in School Days,
2: right? He was also in School Days. School Days, White
0: Man Can't Jump. Vampire in Brooklyn, which that was the film that the producers saw him in and kind of picked him out in order to do Drive. Um, And then the same year the Drive came out, he did uh, The Sixth Man. So he's been doing a lot in terms of producing, writing, directing. But I think a lot of people know him from his earlier work in in the 80s and 90s. The other person that's in here, which I I always – I feel sad when we talk about this, but Brittany Murphy plays Deliverance Uh. Bodine. Somebody, again, we lost way too soon. Um, She passed away at age 32 in 2009, which I think is gut-wrenching because I really thought she was a fantastic and talented actress. Um, Clueless in 1995 is the film I always remember her from outside of the one we're going to talk about. But, um, you know when drive was coming out, she was doing movies like freeway in 96 prophecy two in 98. Uh, She did eight mile in 2002 and sin city in 2005. So sin city. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like her career was really ramping up and then it, it just kind of got taken away too short. Um, But you know, you're looking at the cast so far and you know, we haven't even got to the bad guys yet. The, the main protagonists are not box office draws at this point in 1997. They're up and comers. Right. Now let's talk about our villains. John Piper Ferguson is Vic Madison. So he's our cowboy with the the long hair. This guy has done so much TV. He has like 151 acting credits. I didn't realize that he was in Unforgiven, um, the Eastwood film. But yep. this this is what really knocked my socks off. He was also in The Crow: Stairway to Heaven and starred alongside Mark Dacascos. But he was top dollar. So he was the villain, whereas Mark Dacascos was their Draven character. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get Tracy Walter as Hedgehog. Um, Brad, when you saw him, wh- what movie did you immediately think of? Me? Yes.
2: It wasn't Death the Smoochie, I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> I-, I assumed you were like- Silence of the Lambs? No, that's Bob oh. the Goon from Batman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's the first thing that pops in the mind. It's that role, and uh, is it Malik from Conan the Barbarian? Those are the two movies I always remember Tracy Walter from.
1: Yes. Yeah. Malik from Conan the Destroyer. Sorry to correct you, but
0: yeah. Oh, is it Conan the Destroyer? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I just remember it was one of the Conan movies. And then last but not least, from John McTiernan's greatest film, 1988's Die Hard, um, we get James Shigeta as Mr. Lau, who played uh, Mr. Takagi in uh, Die Hard, McTiernan's greatest film. Um, (laughs) So that's everybody in front of the camera. And again... You get a lot of character actors, obviously with Tracy Walter, a lot of up and comers, nobody that is really front and center that people are going to just go, oh, I know that person and I'm going to go see this film, right? And you have a bunch of Power Rangers people behind the scenes, which <laughs> I know if anybody's listening right now has never seen this film, they're probably thinking there is no way I want to see this film. Okay. Real quick, some some production notes on the film. You kind of touched on this, Brad. Um, this film was sort of designed for Mark Dacascos. So when they got the script, they got the idea. Steve Wang immediately thought of Mark and that's who they went after. Um, this is super interesting. Production on this started around 1995. That's when they got the idea. That's when they're getting the funding. That's when they start working on it. So keep that in mind, 1995, six and a half weeks of shooting on a $3.5 million budget. Now, some sources um, reference a $4.2 million budget, but I'm wondering, Brad, if that's what you're referring to where they're spending a little bit of money getting into festivals and circuits because this played at a ton of different film festivals. And if you watch any of the documentaries and everything about this that are on the um, Blu-ray of the MVD that just came out, um, it played really well. And everybody thought they had a huge hit on their hand based on the audience reaction to it.
2: Well, multiple cuts of a film also cost money too.
0: Yes, So, and that brings us to the next point. There's a one hour and 40 minute cut. So that's the version that was released on home video in the US. Um, and I don't know why, but it's known as the Robbie Little cut. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've got that one. And the original soundtrack was replaced with a techno based score. So that version is the first version I ever saw of Drive. And I actually saw it around 1998, 1999, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, but the director's cut is actually an hour and 57 minutes. Now, why do I point out 1998, 1999? That's when I discovered drive on, uh, I I can't remember if it was VHS or DVD, but it was a pan and scan version techno music. It was cut down and I saw it. So
2: do you know why it was, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. You know why it was called the Robbie little cut?
0: No, I have no idea.
2: Robert, Robert, little or Robbie little was a British producer editor. I think he was somewhat famous. Um, I believe he's famous for he and his wife, I believe died on the way to cans and the Cannes film festival, like okay. in a car. Uh, but he is actually a person. So Robbie little cut, I believe was cut by Robbie little. Oh, so, was, so,
0: so he did the cut for the submission.
2: Is, yes. I'm, I'm assuming that's why it's called that
0: makes perfect sense. If I had done more homework, I would have known that, but thank you for pointing that's that out.
2: That's why I'm, you know, that's I'm why you're here, here, here for everybody. You're my wingman. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, so I found this on home midi- uh, home video, and obviously it went to direct a video, but it was being pushed pretty hard because of a movie that came out in 1998, a little film called Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, and if you know the history of Rush Hour, Rush Hour was. Well, it started as a spec script. So spec script isn't a fully formed script. It's more of an outline or an idea. And that was credited to Ross Lamana and it started about 1995. But if you think about it, Drive was also being worked on, started about that same year. It came out a full year before that. It probably came out before 97 because to your point, Brad, that's when it debuted um, from a home video perspective like HBO, but it was making the circuits way before that rush hour comes out a year later in 1998. And I think everybody, when they came across this film, if you look at the cover art and it's on the um, MVD rewind collection. So they released a special edition Blu-ray just this year on May 11th. And if you look at the cover art, it's Mark Dacascus and Kadim. They're kind of both sliding across the car, and it looks very rush hour ish.
2: Kadeem doesn't have his his hair, though. It's yes. different hair. Did different you realize that?
0: Yep, it's still him. But you can definitely tell this thing was marketed because of, um, from a home video perspective, it's a nice tie in to Rush Hour. But keep in mind, this came out a year before Rush Hour. What, you're going to say something?
2: I'm just saying, I, I. this thing has, Rush Hour has this thing DNA all up in it.
0: Yes, it does. Um, even from the opening sequence, kind of it sort of takes place on a shipping dock. Yep. So yep. there's something going on there, and um, I, I'm I'm not saying somebody borrowed from somebody else, but it is kind of amazing that this film's being worked on behind the scenes from a smaller budget, um, smaller cast. You know, obviously they had a smaller shooting schedule. It comes out a year plus earlier, and then here comes Rush Hour, which was a huge success. And it sort of um, continued America's fascination with Jackie Chan. Because Jackie Chan came back to the U.S. Uh, I think big time with Rumble in the Bronx. And then Rush Hour sort of elevated him to the A-list. Uh, and obviously spawned you know two additional sequels.
2: Well, but, and, and to be fair, also, I mean, Chris Tucker was a much bigger star as well. I mean, he was coming off things like Friday. So Chris Tucker was also a big draw in that film as well.
0: Money Talks, yeah. I think, was. Yeah, the, Money Talks, yeah. yes. Okay. So that's a little bit of history a little bit of production on it um and i think it's important to keep that in mind when we're talking about this because i think a lot of people and i'm one of them when i discovered drive i kind of went into it thinking of it as a rush hour clone but that's not the case this was uh before rush hour so with all that in mind we've spent a lot of time talking about our favorite american martial arts films We've, we've given a little bit of history on this one, John, I want to start with you. This is your, I don't know how many viewings of drive, but obviously you've seen this before. What are your initial thoughts on this film? My initial thoughts
1: um, pretty much the same when I saw it on, uh, as you guys said, HBO for the very first time, Um, like, where was this movie been? Uh, Great martial arts, uh, great sequences. All around, it had everything that I wanted in in a movie, which was entertain me, yeah, kick some butt, and um, you know, show me a good time with it. And and I watched it Saturday night. I watched it Sunday afternoon uh, after the after the game. We got home. Um, it, it, this movie has a lot of the elements that you look for. I mean, these are the type of movies you're not looking for a lot of character development, but just enough to say, you know what? Yeah, I I, I want more. Bring it out and. The synergy, the, the the chemistry between Dukaskis and um, Kareem Hardison, it, it was just great, and it seemed to play off just so naturally with each other that it helped, you know, make the movie flow uh, for me. The sequences, the shots, uh, again, Brittany movie, uh, Brittany Murphy, <coughs> she she just had me in tears. Um, John Piper Ferguson, he threw me for a loop because I didn't realize. Um, until I went back in and, and looked it back up, he was one of my favorite characters on one of the more recent TV shows that came out, The Last Ship. Uh, if it, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's a great series. Uh, he played a character called Tex, and he's just a badass in that one. Here he's he's an evil, not a badass, but yeah, him <laughs> and you know Tracy Walker, of course. <laughs> you you asked Brad the first thing. I'm like, there's there's Malik. Is he gonna pull out knives? You know, but I think what really sells the movie you know, overall um, is, is Walter the Unstained Frog. Yes. <laughs> I want a whole series on that. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, but it's just a fun movie. And and it's a movie that um, my son Bishop, he he came in halfway through it and he was watching some of the sequences and he, he had the reactions I had when I was a kid, when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, 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 no. Did, really, oh, how's he not dead? Yeah. It was just great. It was just great.
0: All right, Brad. First time watch. I I've, I've yeah. been dying to hear your opinion on this because this is what most of the time when we talk a film, and I've known you for a long time. I I can kind of go. Well, I think he's going to fall this way or that way. I, I know you love action films as much as I do. I have no idea what you're going to come in on this one. Um, and even today, when you were texting back and forth, you you drop some hints, and I'm like, "Ooh, I have no idea where this is going." So uh, enlighten me, bud. Where Where do you fall on this one?
2: So I. Uh... <sighs> Everything outside of the martial arts in this movie is pretty forgettable. I Brittany Murphy, th- this might be one of the worst characters I've ever seen in, in cinema, <laughs> period. Blasphemy. Uh, she is terrible. Um, I don't know what kind of vibe she was going for, like this oversexed uh airhead sort of deal. Um but I, I was not feeling that. You know, I, I really just want things to get me from one action scene to the next. And this does this at like a pretty minimal level. Like there's nothing extraordinary. Um I do like the chemistry between uh Dukaskis and was it, Kadim. I do like their chemistry a lot. Um I think. If that doesn't work, I think this film kind of falls apart story-wise because you kind of have to believe those two guys don't like each other first, and you know, it, but then there's a turning point, and you know, they're pulling for each other and, and they care for each other by the end. I, I do think the fight scenes are are pretty creative. Um, I think that last kind of set piece at Apollo 14 is is pretty pretty amazing and and it goes on for a really long time, but it really doesn't feel like it drags because there's kind of certain beats to it that I I really dig. I just... The story is kind of weirdly told. Like You open up and he's just on this boat and the guys literally couldn't shoot shoot him if he was two inches in front of him um, with their guns. I, I don't know how many times he dodges bullets in this movie and... But it's just – it's a weird setup. Like he just opens up on a boat and then it's not until 25 or 30 minutes into the movie we figure out hes he's got something in his chest and that's kind of why he can't – they don't want to shoot him. I just think it's just weirdly told. But at the end of the day, like the only thing – that not the, the only thing, but I think the thing that matters the most is the action. And, and there are some really cool action scenes. Um, stuff blows up pretty good in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's not one, but two bazookas in this movie too. So, you know, I I think that's pretty cool. And there's dirt bikes and, um, you know, you get your kind of your boss who has a boss, you kind of deal. The villain is Madison is pretty cartoony and I kind of like that. Um, he's not menacing at all, but I kind of dig that in a way. Um, you know, overall I, I enjoyed this, I kind of looked at my phone a little bit more than I thought I was going to, like in between the, the, the action set pieces. Luckily, you know, they fight a lot in this movie. There's a lot of face kicking. So, you know, you're not, there's not a whole lot of downtime. I expected to like it more. Um, I didn't hate it by any means because of the action, but
0: boy, it really, it tested me there for a little bit, to, to be honest. I, I kind of thought it might – I am in not even John's camp. I have such a love and appreciation for this thing because something struck me as odd when when you said, well, you don't know about 25, 30 minutes of what's going on. I would have to disagree 100% with you. A, a movie's got to grab you in the first five or ten minutes. I, I think you can tell in, in a lot of cases – and we talked about this before – you can pick a point in the film and go, once you get here, if you're not in it, then just turn it off like it, because the rest of the film is going to get weirder or it's more of this or it's going to take this idea and really run with it. So most films, first five or 10 minutes, you can catch the vibe and it's really good to grab your attention. In my opinion, I mean, that's what a good film does. So before the credits have finished in Drive, you have tons of face kicking and a very, very simple premise a hero's on a run from a bunch of bad guys and the bad guys can't kill him because of what he has. They say that in the first like couple of minutes, like don't shoot him. You got to shoot him in the legs. So they got to find a way to capture him without damaging his item. But whatever he's got inside of him has sort of made him superhuman. Um, And then your hero meets a partner. And again, this is just right after the credits are done. And then the hero and the partner are on the run trying to get from point A to point B and deliver this thing. And, and that's the premise. You get that in the first 10 minutes. And again, you get tons of face kicking. There's so much face kicking going on and flippies and everything else that looks so cool and graceful. you think you're watching Gene Kelly on the docks, the, the way this guy moves. And it's amazing to look at. And, I, and my jaw drops. As many times as I've seen this, when, when you see what Mark Dacascas can do and he's doing it; it it's just mind blowing, in my opinion. But what you end up getting for the rest of the runtime is this quirky martial arts road movie with these jaw dropping, and I'm I am not underselling this when I say jaw dropping set pieces. And I think I'll say this, Brad: Brittany Murphy on her own maybe doesn't work. Um, Mark DeCasas on his own works. I think Kadeem Hardison on his own works, but when you get the chemistry going between the characters, that's when it really works in terms of performance and acting. Um, I don't think one of, one of them stands out more than the other in the acting performance. Now in the face kicking, it's all Mark dakoskis right? But when it comes down to the performance or acting, I don't think any of them stand out, but I think the chemistry between them really works. And it, and I, I'm with you. I like the fact that um, John Piper Ferguson plays a not really menacing uh, henchman or or bad guy. I mean, he's just, he's not incompetent either. He knows what he's got to do. He just can't execute because you see the frustration of the incompetence that surrounds him for the most part. And I love his relationship with Tracy Walter uh, because, and we'll talk about that in detail, but I think it all gels super well. And again, this would be one of those films. It's like, Hey, look, watch the first 15 minutes. If your jaw's not on the floor and you're like, what in the heck just, how did he do that? Oh my God, that guy's dead. Um, kind of like what, you know, your son Bishop was going through (laughs) because Cameron and Tabitha, are watching it and everybody has the same reaction. We're like, Oh, Oh my God. How did Oh, he's not getting up. Um, if if you don't have that reaction, turn it off. This isn't the film for you. But for for me, in the first five or ten minutes, I'm hooked. I'm put that IV in me, and I'm I, I'm a junkie for the next two hours on this film. But it is ninety percent action. I'm not lying when I say it's ninety percent action. So I want to I want to start there with the action set pieces. If you guys are good with it, because I want to get your impression yeah. of this. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one, which is the docks and the bar sequence. So you get Toby. So Mark Dacoskis, he's fast and furious, comes off the docks. I've already talked sort of his dance quality to the movement, which I think is super important um, because that's where the style and the flourish comes from. But he does some amazing acrobatics and you know right in the beginning the camera work and editing is closer to a hong kong style film and steve wang was going for that um and the action breeze and you get to see the dance without the quick cuts and the several close-up shots So you already know you're looking at something different
2: yeah you get more than one beat at a time so a lot of times it's beat cut beat cut this you're getting beat 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 (laughs) and maybe even more beats Yeah. yeah and then but it's all shot medium as well so you know you're you're seeing both people at the same time that's also i think really important with choreographies is is seeing both characters at the same time getting their spacing and then getting a an idea of where the other people are you you know you get kind of spoiled when you watch stuff like this and then you know you try to go and watch something like the born series is kind of the one to go to where it's just like beat, cut, beat, cut, beat, cut, beat, cut, and you have no idea what's going on. This, you know, it is like a dance. Like, you're getting, like, eight beats, you know, and then a cut, uh, and then eight more beats. And you're like, God, this is going on forever. Um, and Dukascus does have, like, a dance quality to himself. It's very fluid, I would say. Like, it it, it just has a nice flow to it, and it looks very effortless. Um which I think is impressive because he's doing all these things and you're like, this guy could just keep going forever.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what, if, if you were to rank this, where, where does the docks in the bar sequence come from? I mean, it's not the longest fight sequence. It gives you sort of a taste of it, but I mean, no, I did not like the bar sequence very much. The doc one I was okay with because I think the,
2: the quality of fighting on the dock is, is really nice. The bar thing, I was like, uh, this is a little a little cheesy for me. But the bartender does eat a lot of bullets. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. loaded up. Yeah. So I was okay with that. Um, I guess like that's the one thing. It's either your guys are just getting completely obliterated by kicks and punches to the face, or they're eating bullets like crazy. So yeah. uh, it's one or the other. I, I just I, the the bar scene, I was not feeling at all. That was like the point where I was like uh-oh, is this going to be bad? And then luckily it, it does pick up after that.
1: Yeah, so so I love them both equally. I think I lean more towards the bar fight. Um, yeah, Jonathan. You see it. <clears throat> hey, I, <laughs> the reason why I go to the bar fight scene is because, and I had never seen in a martial arts movie, a martial artist pull a move out that just had me saying, what the, what the fuck was that? when he does the arm flourish and he turns around and he just heart punches the dude. I mean, I was like, how is that guy just didn't fall dead instantly? I mean, that's what really hooked me into the movie. When I saw Mark DeCostas and his beauty, grace and speed just pull that move out and just land that blow. I was like, holy crap. This is going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, the only, so I'm kind, I don't know. I like them both really well i i'm with you on the dock you get an introduction into how quick he is and how graceful he is within the bar sequence you start to get a taste of how he's going to use the environment like how he takes his jacket off and he's kicking people around you know as he's taking the jacket off that sort of heart punch sequence the only thing i didn't like is when he jumps up on the pool table they point the guns down and then he kind of jumps up and then swings around and shoots him it seemed like the timing was too slow for that to be realistic enough. Whereas everything leading up to that point, even though it's, uh, it has this flourish that you're kind of going, well, how does somebody move that quick? You, you get to that little sequence and you go, that one didn't gel in terms of a sequential movement as the other ones do. Because to your point, Brad, it's kind of going, everything leading up to that is beat, 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 cut. That one went beat, beat, beat. <laughs> beat then cut and you're like you were just moving so fast beforehand what happened right there
2: yeah when you slow down it's very noticeable yeah it
0: is very noticeable and that's the and i will say this that's the only time i noticed it is that even today i go okay there's that sequence it's not as well played out as the others leading up to it but i'm i'm with you john it's like when you start to see what he's capable of within an environment and using things around him I think that's more impressive than the doc sequence of just punching and kicking people. Cause that, yeah. that's where yeah. the choreography comes in and you can actually see what an action choreographer is able to do versus, you know, two guys just beating each other up, look at the environment. How are they going to use it? How, how is that environment playing into it? And that bar sequence is a taste of like what's coming to the next sequence, which is the rock quarry or construction site. Oh yeah. So John, what, what was your impression of, of this sequence?
1: So this sequence was just pure fun. And, um, again, a lot of it of what rush hour borrows heavily from, um, was just, again, you got, you got Koskis and, and, and Kadeem just, you know, they're handcuffed together, but somehow, you know, from a situation where it looks like they're going to die, uh, to, to kicking everybody's ass using the environment, but also the environment working against them, um, it was just it was just a fun sequence. Um, yeah, it was just fun. to me. It was fun. I felt bad for Tracy. Um, I know he didn't do his own stunts because some of the
0: shots his character took. He should have been dead. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. It, it, it really was. What about you, Brad? I mean, so we, you get away from the bar sequence. You think you're in trouble. They get yeah. stopped by the cops. They come to the quarry. Now what happens? Did, did they go, they get stopped out out
2: by the cops. They get put in a car. They go 25 feet to a rock, a rock quarry. And then there's a fight that goes on for a really long time. And there's a zip line escape sequence where the guy's handcuffs are way too hot. So they have to put them in a barrel of water. And you're like okay, I see what we're doing now. Like we're kind of turning up the goofiness a little bit here, you know? And then it's funny. I, I didn't know what this film was rated. So i I was just kind of, I, I assumed after the bar and seeing guys squib up and, you know, blood kind of shooting out of them. I'm like this is must be rated R and it must be rated R just for violence. And then there's a lot of, you know, MFers and like Madison, like cusses like a sailor which I'm okay with, but it's just like, oh, okay, that's also this going on too. Um, the, the rock quarry is, is is fun. It, it's it's like you're turning up the goofiness a little bit during this fight. And again, it's it's like a weird tonal thing because all of a sudden we went from, hey, let's shoot up the bartender to kind of yakety sax playing behind us as we're like <laughs> doing some stuff. Again, everything is kind of sold by Tukaskis and the gimmick of them being – handcuffed together makes it interesting. Um, I mean again, you know, each each set piece is like a little bit different, not only by the setting, but like what's going on. Um you know you get you get uh people just not being able to shoot someone who is literally four feet in front of them. Even in the bar scene, it's like I don't know if tables can eat bullets like that. Like you hide behind a table that's wooden. I know they movie do it tables. Every, you can.
0: Everybody knows movie like, tables can protect yeah. you from everything.
2: Yeah, but um, no, I, I, I like this one. Um, it's not my favorite, uh, but
0: I definitely think it's fun. And, you know, and it's got a cool gimmick with being handcuffed together. Now I, I'm trying to remember. So, uh, Walter the Einstein Frog segment shows up before this segment, correct? Because no. are, are you sure? Cause he's talking to his boss and he's so, saying,
2: yeah, it's when they're in the RV
0: When they're in the RV and he's like, Hey, plans are in motion. Yes. It's before this. It's before this. So it's when after you, the bar, yes. Yep. Yeah. You're correct.
2: Skip the car. Yeah. Yep. So after what the happens?
0: Bar. Yeah. When the first yeah. time I saw that, I'm like, what in the hell is that? <laughs> because to your point, Brad, they introduced some goofiness in between the action sequences And this time around, the thing I noticed about this film, which again, what I think is pretty amazing is, um, the director, I think intentionally is saying, okay, we're starting with this action sequence. We're giving you a taste of what's coming, but you know, Steve Wang turns around and says, we're going to put this Walter, the Einstein frog segment in there. You're going to get a little (laughs) glimpse of your villains and you're like, what the hell's going on? I, I laugh pretty hard every time I see it now, but the first time I remember seeing it, I'm thinking. What 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 is that? Where, I just where are we going with this? Honestly, I like had to. I went
2: back, like I saw that part, and I'm like, is this the right movie? Like yeah, did something happened. Like it, it does. is literally out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, no, it's. I guess it's. Yeah, this yeah, is the it's movie still.
0: So then you get to the Corey sequence, and I have to say this. So many, 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 many people have tried over the years to copy a Jackie Chan fight sequence, uh, to varying degrees of success. I will say this sequence is the closest to a Jackie Chan choreographed fight sequence. Um, and also, well, I'm specifically thinking about project a part two, because there's an entire sequence where Jackie is handcuffed to somebody and they're being chased and you know, he's running around, but the great thing about this is you get some amazing martial arts sequences where he's handcuffed to Kadim. there. He's having to kick, fight, punch everybody. You know, he's using Kadim as a weapon every once in yeah. a while, too. <laughs> and then you also get these sequences where you're you're getting these brutal, like when people are landing on these pipes and you're like, well, that guy's spine is broke. Yeah, um,
2: I always was, was <laughs> I don't know everything about being a stuntman, but I always heard like you're supposed to make... You know when you fall, it's surface area. You know you yeah. want to have as much surface area as possible, so you're like spreading out the fall between your body. These guys are landing on pipes, like on their ribs and like, yes, on their back, and you're like, no, you're putting all your momentum on that one spot, which is like a hundred percent of your energy going straight into your back. Yeah, yeah. they earned the, their paychecks.
0: Yeah, and the punches and kicks are landing. You see them land. It's not camera. Uh, trickery, it—they are hitting each other, and then you get these sequences where Mark Dacascos is ready to kind of jump in the air and land a kick, and Kadim Hardison like pulls the other way, and all of a sudden Mark Dacascos just lands on his butt. So within the choreography itself, they do an amazing job. And again, it's no mistake that he references when the cops ask his name, and Mark Dacascos says <laughs> Sam O'Hung. Sammo Hung. Yep. They're specifically yep. trying to mimic a Sammo Hung Jackie Chan choreographed fight sequence, and it is quite possibly the only time I've seen sort of an American um, directing crew. Everything else come super close and almost get it one to one. Because if you if if you had just replaced Mark with Jackie Chan, I, I think you would have had the exact same sequence down to them. Kind of zip lining with the handcuffs because they're doing that too. It sort of ends with the stunt sequence. That's all Jackie Chan flourishes right there.
1: Yeah, I mean it, to the point of the scene that you're referencing where where you know uh, Kadeem pulls back and you know Toby falls to the ground. He even gives
0: the look. Yes, he gives the Jackie Chan look of like, ow, why? Yeah, you know it's it's it was great. It was brilliant. They're trying to get the gun. He can't get the gun because they're pulling against each other. Um, and they're trying to figure out how to work, it, you know, with the confines of being cuffed and everything else. And, again, it ends it ends with the stunt sequence. And it's pure Sammo Hung Jackie Chan choreography through and through. Yes. yeah, uh, It's freaking brilliant. I mean, as much as I love all the other sequences in here, to your point, Brad, this is where the goofiness starts to come in a little bit. But it's pure Jackie Chan Sammo Hung goofiness. and And I think they prepare you a little bit by showing, you know... Uh, Einstein frog, Walter the Einstein frog, <laughs> yeah. which, which leads us to, and I'm going to say this right now, most movies would kill for a final fight sequence as good as what happens in the middle of this film. But the next big sequence you get is the motel sequence. Okay. So you, you leave the quarry, and keep in mind, each sequence is getting longer and longer too. So now we come to the hotel, Um, and I'm going to start on this one. So right out of the gate, oh, my God, just plain wow. It starts with this small hotel room and ends up transitioning over into a garage. And what I love about this is you get a complicated fight sequence in a small hotel room. They use the entire environment, from jumping on the bed to throwing furniture, from pots and pans from him just sitting in a chair and trying to maneuver through this chair and not get hit, um, you get Toby using boots against these sort of shock baton, batons, um, and and how that goes. It transitions to the gr- to the garage, and even in that transition, you get some pretty impressive acrobatics by Mark Dacoskis. That's not that's Mark Dacoskis doing the flip off the second floor and everything else, and. That whole garage sequence, you feel every hit. And again, they're using the entire environment of sliding down the car, going through the tires. It it looks like something out of Twin Dragons, another Jackie Chan film, but I, I am just in awe that the first time I saw this film and I watched that sequence, I went back and watched that entire sequence like three or four times because it's so graceful. It's so amazing to watch. And you're sitting there figuring out, like, how did they even get the fit the camera in the small room to capture everything, and, and just that one jump he does where he jumps on the bed, comes off of the wall, kicks the guy in the face, and ah. shoots the other guy. I'm like, how does your body like work <laughs> like that? I don't get it. But I, I I'm curious about your guys' opinion on on that entire sequence.
1: Yeah, that's that specific kick you just mentioned where he goes up into, uh, you know, he jumps on the bed, he he does the twist into his butterfly kick, but then he stops himself with one foot on the wall and just whips out his other foot and kicks the dude in the face.
0: Holy crap. It is quite possibly the greatest. I'm going to call it right now. In all of film history, it is the greatest face kick ever committed to film. (laughs) I will. I will. I
1: vote for that. I vote for that because I haven't seen anything like that since. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible. And you know, even even those, even the sequence where he, you know he takes the calico nine millimeter the, the pistol uh I happen to know some weapons but yeah it, it, and he jumps backwards you know and just in that, that little sequence and he's just popping shots off it's like it's so graceful mark you're awesome yeah but yeah that kick that one specific kick I'm like I can't wait for the final fight scene because he, he the punch that kick what is he saving up for last
0: yeah Brad not as impressed with this one
2: no i i like the the cattle prod stuff where you know every time they're touching stuff like it's lighting up so there's these like pops of light every once in a while where right. you know they're they're swinging at him first he has the boots you know the rubber so he's not being electrocuted um and then in the garage you know it's lighting up the garage and things like that and there's these pops of colors a little random at times but you know it's it's a cool effect i, I would like this so much more if, if britney murphy wasn't kind of
0: oh Oh, we'll get to that in a minute (laughs) ruining
2: the the set piece a little bit with her gun action and her kind of aloofness um that was the only thing i'm like god she does not need to be in this movie the guy pulls out a bazooka
0: (laughs) oh yes let's talk about the explosion so fun fact the bazooka that he pulls out it it has like three missiles to it right yep yes so to get that sequence where they run around the corner they actually shot missiles at them into the building.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, were they like on a stream? Like were they, yeah. sh- were they? They shot,
0: shot missiles at them. <laughs> oh. So if if you watch it, and because there's a slow motion sequence where it, Mark Dacascos is bringing up the rear, and you got Brittany Murphy, Kaneem Hardison running in the front. Those missiles that they're shooting at them I don't know if they're on strings or not, but they are coming at so they're a full missile they shot missiles at them they're aiming them at the window and the idea was what they told him was look, run, but you know keep a good pace because we want these missiles you know to come by you right and so if you watch the making of on the documentary and they kind of show some behind the sequences, even Mark dakoski is like yeah, when the first one came by and almost took my head out because I could feel it, I just started running. <laughs> so oh, all wow. of them felt those things. But that they are shooting missiles at them, three missiles into the building. And then you get one of – now, I think Cutthroat Island, we talked about the explosion in that one, like how impressive that was. But this motel blowing up is freaking amazing in terms of practical explosion. They effects.
2: completely blow it up. Completely. I mean, completely now they're standing a little too close like they're still close to the hotel when it blows up not as much as the other explosion at the end but you know they're a little close but you know it's fine because it blows up really really good then they blow up that guy's rv so it's like we get one explosion and then they're like yeah screw this guy let's blow up his rv and then they (laughs) blow it up with another bazooka you're like but but i guess i guess because he can't because he can't kill the guy but like if you have a bazooka why are you saving that till last why are you not doing that first?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I, I always wondered I'm a bazooka first guy. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I say. I could totally see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that motel blowing up. It was just visually just spectacular. And you know, only thing I can add is I, I can only imagine being a pyrotechnics guy and someone coming up and saying, Hey, uh, don't you think we got a little bit too much gas? And he just goes, <laughs> nah. And then it goes off and the guy just
0: nods. Yeah. He was right. <laughs> Yeah, you know too it much was gas in there. awesome but I, I see brad in the background like no more gas more bazookas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i do like fire yeah and that's the that's what you would get okay so you get to that sequence and you're, you 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 have heart palpitations you're like oh my goodness what just happened and like, you come to the big showdown at apollo 4 you're like i hope
1: deliverance is well, no, you're forgetting the one fight scene that brad i think overlooked which one's that one the one between brittany murphy and
0: the waitress Oh, <laughs> she just
1: pushes Pushed her out, her of, the out of the way,
0: wins the fight. That yeah. was fantastic. I, I do love that <laughs> sequence. Brad is not having any Brittany Murphy. Okay, so before we're going to, we're going to debate that one in a minute, but I, I want to stay on point with the action. Yep, go ahead, go ahead, go right, ahead. So we get to the climax, we get to Apollo 14. Now, Brad, you, you, you earlier said this was your favorite part of the film in terms of action, right? Why is that? Yes.
2: I, I mean, it just Kind of goes uh it's got dudes on dirt bikes, and then there's a one on one ish fight um you know it just I kind of respect like this having this one setting at the end, and we're gonna kind of let guys just fight around it and and you kind of have a good sense of the area and like there's ramps and there's steps and stuff to hide behind so it, it's just like a cool area to fight with, but they let the guys like do a bunch of stuff in there. You know, and then there's just multiple sort of, I guess, kind of game of death-esque, like, levels to it in a way.
0: I kind of dig that. Yeah, that's a good point because it's motorcycles and then the guys come in with the machetes. Uh, So, yeah, they have these little sequences where uh, different types of henchmen come in doing different things. That's a good point. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and, I mean, having guys on motorcycles, I mean, it's a little cumbersome because of, like, they're trying to get speed and they're – 10 feet away from somebody, but you know, they fake it pretty well. Um, D'Koskis gets on one and runs it into a wall. And I'm like, uh, that might've really hurt. Cause he frayed that wall pretty hard. Oh yeah. He did. Um, there's some parts in this movie where you're like, guys definitely got hurt making this movie. Like, I don't know that much about being a stuntman man, but when I see things, I'm like, there's no pad. Like, I don't know if there's any pads. Like I, I couldn't see, you know, padding or anything. So kind of the visceral visceralness. Is that a word?
0: It is today. Yeah. Sure. sure. It is now. Yeah. But, you
2: know, just how visceral things are really helps as well. Helps sell it.
0: Okay. What about you, John?
1: Yeah, it was It was an awesome scene. It's an awesome setup. And it, for me, oh, gosh, what was it? uh Messiah Kato. Yes. The villain. Advanced he, model. Advanced model. Yeah. He was the baddest ass looking martial arts villain I've ever seen. I loved his clothes and their fight sequences. It was awesome. It was so awesome. The, the, the bike scenes, the running, I always wanted to ride a dirt bike around in the building. These guys get to do it, you know, in a movie, it was awesome. Kick some ass, uh, kill some people. Uh, Kadeem, he he got to show his little bit of skills um, and I love the pacing of it because you had, they they didn't have like one fight scene, then it's over. And then there's another fight scene. It's like, here's part of a fight scene. Oh, let's cut over here. Let's see, watch a little bit of this. It's like, you're sitting there with popcorn in the actual club watching, you know, people fight like back in the day. Um, It it was great. And just the coordination. And to your point, how did some of those stuntmen not get like, you know, severe, severe injuries? Because there was just a lot of hard landings, a lot of hard kicks and just some, for me, a lot of beautiful uh, shots, uh, you know, like what Mark Dacostas jumps up, does a spinning jump kick and just, you know, just rocks that dude's helmet. I'm like, yep, he's dead. Oh, It dude. was just awesome. Yes.
0: There there are so many times Mark Dacostas does a flying, like, spin kick, kicks a guy off a motorcycle. That guy's yeah. dead. He's dead. Um, then he kicks a motorcycle. A motorcycle's coming out He kicks the front of a motorcycle to stop it, and that dude goes flying. Yeah. And I guarantee that guy's dead. Um, there are so many times, I mean, if, if you're sitting there and if you're the type of person who is is sort of reacting to what's going on on the screen and, and you're like me that goes, oh, oh my God, oh, you're going to be doing that through this entire back portion. Because to your guys' point, I don't know how they do it. I'll say this, they are doing some wire work and the wire work isn't as much as getting somebody up in the air to do a kick like you would traditionally see in most American films. They're doing the Jackie Chan wire work, which is they're putting the wires on top of the people getting hit so that when somebody gets kicked in the face, they're yanking the wire of the yeah, person the that got backs. hit. It's the yeah. pullbacks, and those look super painful. Yeah. Um, but, man, does it not sell a punch or a kick? or at least the visceral power of it. Right.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for like in the credits, like this film was dedicated to man, <laughs> this guy, this guy, this guy, <laughs> yeah, thank you for your service, but you
0: died. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the 25 guys who are now dead as a result yeah. of the sequence. And you guys have touched on this. So you get Mark Dacascos and Messiah, Messiah, Messiah Masa- Masa- Kato. Kato. Yeah. Yep. So he shows up at the end. He's for most of the film, you're not really worried about the people that Toby is going up against from a character perspective. This is the first time you go, "Oh, I don't I don't think he can win." He does this thing with his glasses, his sunglasses, oh. and it's such a cool trick, and next thing you know, they're back on his face, and you're like, "How the hell did he do that?" But then Mark Dacascos answers that with a broom handle, which is freaking awesome. <laughs> And again, you get some of, some of those like spinning heart punches that he does that are just, I mean, it's Gene Kelly-esque in terms of watching him move. But that sequence is just so much fun to watch. And then you get Kadeem Hardison versus John Piper Ferguson versus Tracy Walter. So he's taking on those two. And all of a sudden, um, John Piper Ferguson takes out a whip. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God. you do not whip a black guy. I just, yeah, let's
2: bring on the racism. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, racist style. Like, okay. He calls him
0: boy, too. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, all right, this is the most <laughs> evil person on the face of the earth, and you're, you're waiting for them to kick his butt now. And I, I think that's that little character flourish that- they add to the end that if you didn't like, him, if you really just were like, well, he's kind of a charismatic villain, blah blah blah, dude, that goes out the window as soon as he pulls that whip out. And like you said, Brad, he starts using boy. You're like, oh, you better kill that asshole, <laughs> like kill yeah. him dead. Yeah. Um, and I like that little flourish on there because if you if you had any kind of well, he's he's an okay villain. Nope, not at that point. You you know he's got to go down.
1: Yeah. And that's the feel good moment, uh, feel good moment. You know, Kadeem, you know, takes it, starts pistol whipping him after he gets the upper hand and yeah. that's his line. Don't you ever pull a whip out on a black man ever again. Yeah. It's and amazing. you're like, yeah! You're, standing, it's
0: awesome. yeah, you're standing up cheering with him. Um, And then you get another explosion. Now this one is a model explosion. So a little bit of trivia too: the guy that worked on Apollo 13 actually did the special effects for this sequence. But, uh, you know, as impressive as the hotel explosion is, as a real explosion from a model perspective, this thing is still super impressive. And then yeah. I'm like, why is it so good? You find out that they hired the guy from Apollo 13 to do this sequence. Uh, it makes sense because even the little rocket going up, you're like, wow, it looks like Apollo 13, but just from an explosion standpoint. Um, but my God, what a what a finale. What a sequence. I mean, It truly is breathless. Everything that they do in this sequence, yeah. I mean,
1: to the point where I think I I gotta verify, but it's like you know, did Resident when I first saw who was it uh, Albert Wesker from Resident Evil games? Yeah, that was that was his thing. You know, his sunglasses trick. But you know, Advanced Model pulled it off first, and he was much cooler looking. To you know, what did I just watch? This was this was like you know, fifteen minutes of ass kickering.
2: that last last sequence is like 25 minutes long 25 minutes
1: yeah it was just like awesome and again just the speed the styles the martial arts the flowing it was just it was just so graceful and it did not to me it did not feel like 25 minutes it was like oh why did this end so quickly the way it did
2: and one of the brittle brothers gets blown up Sorry, pretty yeah. <laughs> Brothers for guys. Who kind
0: of <laughs> oh, they get blown but, up real good. So they're know, standing next to him, though, dude. Yeah. They're standing next to him. At this point, yeah. I don't care. I just wanted that guy to die. So, so um,
2: I, I think one of the things that I wanted to point out too in this last sequence is there's a lot of times, even with the John Wick films, that a fight sequence will go on for like a while and you start to kind of get not bored, but you're like, okay, I, I get it. This is impressive, but we need to move on. I never really thought that for this last sequence because I think it they're changing up so much, it, 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 it really makes it feel fresh every few minutes, you know, because like in those John Wick films, you're just like, oh my God, okay, I get it. Let's go. And this one, I was like, okay, like, what's what stage is next, you know? And, and I think that's kind of a big differentiator in this as into like John wick. Um, cause I know you've said it before and my wife has said it too. It's like, these are exhausting. Like I can't watch these anymore cause it's just so much. Um, I never felt that for uh, this one,
0: dude, you read my mind. So oh. uh, here, here's the thing you, you are spot on with that comment. And, and I'll give you an example. My wife does not like constant action movies. I mean, she likes John wick for Keanu Reeves, but She does the same thing. She tends to zone out because to her, it just gets boring. It's repetitive, right? To your point, it's the, okay, we get it. How many times can you gun foo somebody to death? Right. Or how many times can you do that same judo, um, epon sionagi move
2: i think i think chapter three is the biggest culprit of of that as well like one and two but like three i was i'm to the I point i really where it's like,
0: felt it in two and i really um, felt it in three i i find yeah. it in two and three and it goes back to that same like the the in the marvel universe it's this let me jump on your neck and swing around a couple of times and throw you like how many times do i got to see that move everybody does it now and and she's not a big fan of the raid films it, to her those are boring because it's just action at to to Brad's point, it's repetitive. She, as soon as I said, Hey, I'm watching drive. And she's like, Oh, is that, is that the Mark Dacascas film? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) she really likes this film. She really likes it. And I think the reason is because exactly of how you said it, Brad, the action becomes more inventive. It's mixed up. I mean, just take the motel sequence. They go from this like small room to this point where he's just sitting in a chair, trying not to get hit. And he transitions to putting boots on his hand, So he, he can kind of take on the guys with the, the cattle prods and then it goes to the garage. So it's constantly moving. There's constantly new versions of action that is being displayed. And it's very dance like. Um, and again, this is where we're going to probably diverge in our opinion, because to her, now 90% of this film is action. So let's talk about the other 10% she likes this movie because the action is different and unique like you said brad but the other thing that she likes is the other 10 percent, which is the non-action elements which is the chemistry and the performance and specifically Brittany murphy
1: yeah i mean she helps bring levity to a serious situation uh you know she's like go toby go toby go and you know could he you know malik's Kitty Harrison's character is just like sitting there looking at his face, like "girl, you cray cray," you know. And that's—I think—that's what it is. She she just interrupts these long fight sequences because I mean, you hear them and see the lights flashing, you know, as you mentioned before. But she breaks it up just just enough to say, "Okay, now we're getting back to the action," and it, it just helped get to the flow. I I loved Brittany Murphy's character, and to me. She lived up to her name, Deliverance, in the sense of uh where was she raised? Because this ain't right. <laughs> well, yeah.
0: I, I can't I can't say that Brittany Murphy on her own is fantastic. Like like I said earlier, no. her and Kadeem and Mark together, I think, are fantastic.
1: Yes. I, I think
0: when she's delivering her lines, you're like, what is wrong with her? It it's funny, but at the same time, watching Mark and watching Kadim react to her is where the humor comes for me. And I I like her playing off of them. I mean, I love that whole diner sequence where she's getting off the phone. The one waitress is trying to flirt with Kadeem. She just like takes her head and pushes it to the side. <laughs> I, I really like her character, but I only like her character as a result of the chemistry she provides for the other two. And if you're talking buddy, you know, road movies, I, I do think Mark Dacascos and Kadeem Hardison, I mean, for this type of film, you have to have two people that have really good chemistry between each other. And I think these two have it. And I love the fact that Mark Dacascos, his character starts to lighten up as the movie goes on and Kadeem Hardison starts to get into the action as the movie goes on. So- you definitely have a script that their characters are feeding into each other and you kind of see that growth, even though it's surface level. I mean, this isn't a deep film. I'll say in the director's cut, you get a little bit more backstory than, you know, the initial release of it. Um, which helps, but I mean, let's not, you know, let's call it what it is. It's surface level character development, but it works. It works really well. And I think the chemistry works, but Brad, I'm, I know you don't like those ass. And I, I could see where Brittany Murphy will get on your nerves a little bit, but I
2: mean, her only characteristic is she wants to have sex with another character.
0: I, is it really? Yes. Yes. That's her only thing in this movie. It's a party weekend. I mean, she wants, I don't know. She likes shooting that one guy up. Yeah, I think there's a violent streak to her that comes out, a little psychotic. Vibe that yeah, at, at, I, I'll give you this at the Stay beginning. Stay away from those. On the surface level, you're like, okay, she's <laughs> like this ditzy, voluptuous, man-eater kind of thing. But then when you see her get in on the action and how much fun she has with it, there, there's something quirky about her, and I, I think she sells it.
1: Yeah. And I think my wife, um, she pointed it out too, which helped me understand it. And this was when we watched it Saturday night. Is she, he He was like, was she really that bored at the hotel that now that they got, she has some action. That's why she's doing what she's doing. I was like, it, it could be, I, you know? I, yeah, I
0: think so. I think she's, but, but again, I, I can totally get where somebody goes. Okay. I didn't like that part because nah. if you just concentrate on that character alone, I, I get it. But Again, I think she works really well with those two. And I really yeah. like her performance. I mean, this is the film. This and Clueless are the two movies that really make me sad when I think that we lost her because I, I think she's really good in this film. And I think she plays off those two really well. Yes. Um,
2: I, I will also say the, uh, the plot line with the wife and the kid, like, I'm going to go rekindle that. Did we really need that? At the end of the day, like if we never stop by his house to, you know, saw off the handcuffs, does that change anything in this movie?
0: I I do think it adds a element to Kadeem's character because the first time you meet him, he's sort of a barfly trying to write a song and get popular, but he he kinda has this loser esque quality to him. And what you find out throughout the entire film is, I, I think what Mark Dacascos does for his character, again, surface level, is by the end of the film, Kadim doesn't really buy into he's a loser, right? I, I think he he starts the film sitting in the bar, going, you know, oh my gosh, I'm I lost my wife, I lost my kid, I'm trying to you know do this. I, there's no future for me. But by the end of the film, he gets a little bit more confidence. I think Mark Takaskis rubs off on him from a character perspective. And I think you see that transition as a result of him kind of saying, Hey dude, I can go back and get my wife and kid. It, it, I I can go do that. I I am a good character. I I can accomplish things. I don't have to sit in a bar the whole time. So yeah, I, I do think again, it adds a surface level characteristic trait. You don't spend too much time with it. And at the end of the day, Mark Takaskis is talking about it throughout the entire film and is constantly saying, "Hey, look, dude, she still loves you. You can do this." And he's like, well, "I don't know, blah blah blah." But by the end of the film, he's like, "You're right. Hey, dude, I just I beat these two guys. I survived this whole ordeal. I can go back and save my marriage. I I yeah. I, I do think it works. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know. I just think maybe you could have had Brittany Murphy be that character that like, oh, I'm going to go back to her, and you know, give Brittany Murphy a little bit more in this film as opposed to have this wife character that has thirty seconds of screen time." And she's supposed to be a, like a, a motivation for a character that we really like. But t- to me, it's like they kind of threw that in to just kind of make sure that you're like, oh, he does need some sort of motivation to change at the end. But I think you could have made it work with Brittany Murphy and made a tighter movie, I, I think.
0: I, I think it's possible. I, I like the direction they went with it because I think it plays better into what Kadeem provides to Mark and what Mark provides to Kadeem from a character perspective. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I would, what you just described, I would love to see because that just means for me more Brittany Murphy, but well, then it plays into the whole stereotype, you know, the horror genre stereotype of yeah. the white woman
2: falling in, you know, sex craze over the black man. And it kind of falls into this movie as well, which, you know, whatever. Yeah, it,
0: it, but it avoids that. I, I mean, that's the yeah. thing is that I, yeah. I think this movie is smart enough to avoid those kind of things. Here's the thing. If, if I'm, if I'm talking about performances and I mean, it's, it's kind of like John Piper Ferguson and Tracy Walter. Um, John is chewing up scenery and Tracy's chewing up junk food and watching them interact is fun. Um, up until you get to the end and then you're like, dude, yes, that guy needs to die. (laughs) So, uh, but I, I never really think Toby's in danger being chased by these two, but they're still fun to watch. And I would say in most movies, it's a drawback when your villain isn't equal to the hero for the, for the entire film, but I think they course correct that at the end by bringing Cato in against, uh, Mark to I think it really works. Uh, um, they're always
2: kind of showing that he's not really in charge.
0: Right. So that helps that his hands are tied, right? That yeah. he's kind of left with this. You're, you, I'm surrounded by incompetency. And if you just do, you know, I'm an assassin. This, this is how I do things. If you just let me assassinate this guy, I'll be fine. But you know, he's, he's messing up because of all these rules, but it, it's an example of, um, well, here's a better example. So in, uh, right before that last sequence, you get to the action sequence, Mark Dakoskis gets up there and sings and dances and he's really good at it. He's obviously a great dancer because of the way he moves, but the guy has a really good singing voice
2: I was going to ask you, does he really
0: sing that? Yes, he really sings that. Yes, he does. And he he wrote that song. So they were looking for something to do. And he goes, well, can you write a couple of uh, lines and make up a song? So he made up an entire song. And Steve Wayne was like, well, we're just going to use that in the entire film. So he sings it all.
2: Don't you hate people like that? (laughs) That are freaking good at everything? Yeah, I do. Oh, sure. Why not? Why (laughs) not?
0: So out of the blue, he does it. Oh, you need me to fix your plumbing? Sure, I can do that too. I'm sure Mark Takaskis is the greatest plumber in Hawaii. Um, but it's a, it's really a great example of how these little surprises keep popping up in the film that you don't expect. You get surprised by a move and a guy takes a hard fall. Um, you get surprised by bits of comedy that comes out from an exchange of two characters like Brittany Murphy, Kadeem and Mark Dakoskis. You get surprised by what is playing in the television in the background with Walter the Einstein frog. <laughs> um, I, I just, I really think the film does a great job of keeping you engaged By just giving you these little surprises and then turns around and blows your mind with the action sequences. Because when the action – I'm smiling because of the action, but I'm also smiling because of the little surprises that pop up. And and another example is they give you little surprises with kung fu movie references. You get Sammo Hung. You get Five Fingers of Death. I mean, they're constantly bringing that stuff up. And and if you're an action junkie, calls a guy.
2: He says, "Bob Marley, what are you wailing about?" Yeah, Bob Marley and the Wailers.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: but that—that's yeah. the thing I like about it is just these little surprises that are sprinkled throughout the whole thing, and I think the performances add to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. All those little surprises really, you know, work in the movie. I mean, even to the point, um, uh, you know, Ferguson Madison. The he's supposed to be this great assassin, right? But they get away from the quarry, and he just, you know, he 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 stamps his foot. And then the next thing you know, he almost shoots his own foot off. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, okay, that was hilarious, but he's really an assassin? Yeah. You know, it's just like you said, those little surprises help those moves. Just, just added to it. I, I, Very, very, very little detracted from it.
2: You know what uh, Madison reminded me of? Every time I saw him, It, it I was like, he looks like. Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. He does. He does. That's well, he... Actually, he's a combination of Gary Oldman from Bram Stoker's Dracula and Leon the Professional. If you were to put yeah, those oh two characters gosh. together, that's exactly what you would get. That's funny. <laughs> that's a great reference. Well, I mean, what else do you guys have to share in terms of thoughts on this film? I I, I feel like I'm just sitting over here gushing because... The action works for me. Obviously, the performances work for me. It's all the surprises that keep me engaged. I, I think that's a great summary from my perspective. But, do you guys have any other notes that that you have to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, this movie does. I mean, to go to the villain, the advanced model. I mean, how often do you see an advanced, You know, a new villain. Well, the villain that he's, you know, he's going to fight, and his intro sequence is he flicks a wand coin through a guy's neck <laughs> that was and you're going, Holy shit. You know, yeah. that was awesome. You know, it, it, it was stuff like that. Just, just had me just sit, th- sitting there, just waiting for the rest to go on. And what I loved, uh, the most, and I, it sounds cheesy, but I, I still kind of hope beyond hope, but like at the end of the U S cut, you know, um, James Shikita's character, Mr. Mr. Lou Lau yeah. something, you know, he this door opens up and he goes, we have more. Yeah. And you're like, OK, how cool would that be to have Mark Dacascos like now shoot a sequel to it? Uh, you know, stuff like that it
0: was just. Yeah, they, they obviously played around with that ending to the point that if if they wanted to, they could keep going with it. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't, but I do like the fact that, you know, bring the right people back. It, it, it would work, but and anything else from you before we go to the question, Brad? Mm-mm. Nope. Are you ready I for the question?
2: I had, <laughs> I already said this joke, but. Bad guy turns into Brittle Brother from Django Unchained. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. I like the reference. That's good. All right. Well, listen, we've, uh, I don't know, done a great job, I think, of of talking about this little scene film from, you know, Mark Dacascas, Kadeem Hardison, uh, directed by Steve Wang, 1997's Drive. So I'm going to start with our guest, John. It's always awesome to have you on, especially when we talk about action films. Oh, thank you. But obviously, the big question is 1997's Drive. Is it a bomb?
1: No, nope, absolutely not. It, it had me hooked when I first saw it uh, on HBO on the on, you know the tube television. Uh, it has me hooked now. I still love that movie. I think Mark Dacascos is awesome. I loved Kadeem. Um, it, it was just a great, fun movie. Um, I, I, really think that if folks have not seen it and they give it a shot, um, they may not say it's the greatest, they may not say it's the worst, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to say, you know what? I, I really did enjoy watching that. And that's what's, that's what really, I, that's what I love about drive. It, it's a movie that has action. It has comedy and just some of the martial arts moves. I just, honestly, I, I still haven't seen some of the stuff that's coming close. Like again butterfly kick, stop yourself on the wall, and then kick the other dude with your foot. Come on.
0: It is the greatest face kick ever. (laughs) Come on. So, Yeah, but not a bomb. Love it. Go watch it. Okay, Brad, to you, 1997's Drive. Is it a bomb?
2: Yeah, I I agree with John. It's not a bomb. I had my kind of reservations about this movie going through it. Um, But at the end of the day, um, the fight scenes are, are really what matter, and they do hold up really well. Uh, There's some flourishes in here that are still amazing. What This was 97, so we're looking at almost 25 years old, and it still looks pretty amazing. I I will probably watch this again at some point in time and maybe see if I change my mind on Brittany Murphy. I probably won't. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty stubborn on my opinions on people in film. Um, But I I, I like it. Um, I really dig that last set piece a lot. Do you think Natalie would watch this? Um. Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, I could see her getting a little bored on some of the stuff in between. Um, kind of like I said, she'll probably love Brittany Murphy. Uh, maybe, maybe. But (laughs) I uh, have faith in that. She's gonna. I I, I might be on. I might be on an island all by myself. I. I really don't care. That's my opinion. I'm sticking into it. I'm not gonna let peer pressure change my opinion.
0: So not a bomb for me. Okay. I read a review by Mark. Pollard, uh, from 2007 on drive. And it was on a Kung Fu cinema website. I don't, I think, I don't think it's active anymore, but I, I do remember coming across this review and I ended up kind of searching it out and found it again. He had to go to one of the websites, like the Wayback machine where it captures like old websites. So I found this review and he said in the review without a single reservation drive is the number one American martial arts movie of the 20th century. So he said that back in 2007 Full confession, I lied about my top three. That would actually be number uh, four, three, and two. So I 100% agree with Mark Pollard from back in 2007. I agree You're with him in 2021. Me. Nope. <laughs> I, in fact, now this is what's really going to blow your mind. I would watch this over rush hour any day of the week. And yes. that's a Jackie Chan film. So yep. I'm, not, I'm not saying Rush Hour is a bad movie. It, it's one of my favorite Jackie Chan American films. Don't get me wrong. But Drive is the best American martial arts movie ever made.
2: I don't even know you anymore.
0: It Hands yeah. down. And, I, and don't get me wrong. Enter the Dragon, love it. Uh, I, I agree with you guys in terms of a pick. I agree with all your guys' picks. But Drive is the one that when I look at the, per, the professional technical aspect of the martial arts that goes on in this film how much fun it is. And the fact that it has the greatest single face kick ever, uh, I will watch this thing over and over and over again and not get bored with it. And again, I would put Hong Kong action cinema from 1975 to 1997 as the pinnacle of all action films. I don't think anything has ever been done outside of the Hong Kong films that were done within that time period. And Drive is the only one that, to me, could compete with those films. So that's that's my take on it. So it's definitely I, not a bomb from my perspective.
1: See, I, I can't argue with that assessment. I would have to agree. I mean, you and I even had that discussion. I mean, we, we literally sat for like an hour thinking about in the recent past ten years. You know what was what was the last great American-made martial arts movie?
0: can I mean I think the we closest couldn't. we we came up with the like maybe uh um, a TV show. A TV show. <laughs> Cobra Kai. And yeah. that was that was it. I mean, outside of that, the only thing that I that could popped into my mind
1: was uh the Wachowski brothers Ninja Assassin. But outside of that, I cannot disagree with that assessment. I, I, I would I would have to lean heavily that, you know, he's he's absolutely right. In the twentieth century, that's probably one of the greatest ones because it was mind blowing.
0: Did you guys watch a different movie than I did? No, I I We all watch the same thing. And that MVD Rewind Blu-ray is fantastic. The film looks gorgeous. There's tons of special features on it. Uh, There's tons of audio commentary, tons of interviews. It even pulled over the stuff from the UK DVD release, which used to be the only way to get the director's cut. Um, So I cannot recommend uh, that Blu-ray enough. But I'm telling you, in terms of action cinema, and we're talking... So you can't, in my opinion, you can't take this and compare it to brainstorm or any of the other films that are sci-fi, you know, drama, any we're talking pure action cinema. They're really from an American production. There isn't anything that tops drive that has been, that's been produced by an American filmmaker. This is the best one out there. Yep. And to me, that's not hyperbole. That's fact.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the ones we mentioned, like you said, uh, Speakman, Van Dam, Seagal, yeah, their movies had their high points, but to me, I, I couldn't sit and watch it as many times as I could drive. Yep, I'm it, so
0: confused. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing this to you, Brad. But what are we
2: doing? What are doing? <laughs> No, I got it. We got to get out of it. We got. <laughs> I can't. I, can't, listen, I love hey, you guys so much, but man, this is.
0: Listen, I'm all all I'm grateful for is you took a chance on this one. I, I really yes. So your reaction is what I'm hoping most people get out of this is they go, yeah, I really like that film. The fight sequences are super impressive. Maybe you didn't like Brittany Murphy. Maybe you did. Maybe you thought the performances. You zoned out and checked your phone. That's fine. But if you walk away from this film and you go, man, I only know about Rush Hour, or I only know about you know this and you discovered Shanghai nights. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, There you go. And you discovered, uh, Mark Dacascos outside of, um, John wick three, then my job is done. I'm happy as long as you, uh, but if you really love action films and you sat and watched everything that came out to direct a video in the eighties and nineties, um, if you watched all the stuff that came out in seventies, if you watched the Shaw brothers, if you sit down and go back and look at all of the stuff from America, from america not hong kong 75 to 97 from america even to this day you're not going to find a better action choreographed film to drive yep
1: agreed agreed it was you know it it was one of those sleeper hits that you know thankfully had a good awakening to a lot of folks and i think again folks who have not seen it and see it they're going to walk away like you know what uh Troy and John were right. Troy, John, John uh, Troy, John and Brad were right. Uh that was the greatest face kick I have ever seen in the history. <laughs> I did not of sign movies. off. I did
0: not sign off on that. You didn't sign off on that? So, that no, that's fine. That's I, fine. I no, not know. No, we can scripted you. We can scripted you. <laughs> no, <laughs> hey, look, I just I I don't think enough people have seen it. I don't think anybody has really yeah. discovered this. I think I think the people that we run around with may have seen it, but this has not reached sort of the masses and um I think for people who check this out, this will be in your top 10, like, hey, this is a great first time watch at 2021. So yeah well, Brad uh, or oh. you're you're exhausted, <laughs> I'm sure, just from that last piece, right? Yeah, yeah. You all <laughs> gut punched me there. Okay. Well, hey, um, let's talk about some feedback before we talk about next week, right? Sure. Um you want, f- you want me to go first, or you want to go first, or what do you want to do? Yeah, so uh, we got two emails. One I just want to mention. Now, when when we kind of say, "Hey, follow us on social media," look at the end of the day, if you do, great. If you don't, that's cool. But I'm going to tell you right now, you need to follow us on Twitter. So we got an email from our good friend V, and if anything, you have to go and follow us on Twitter because she is listening through the episodes and adding commentary. Uh, to them via Twitter and making fun of us actually, <laughs> as she's listening to them. and she is absolutely hilarious. She's also spot on. Um, but if you, if you follow us on any social media account, I can't say this enough. Don't follow us on Twitter for what we post cause we're dorks and what we post is stupid. But follow us on Twitter for um, V's comments because she is absolutely brilliant. And follow her on Twitter because she's just awesome all around. But um, yes. thank you for the email, V. We're, we're so happy you're going back and listening to like Speed Racer and um, getting caught up. But I, I have to tell you, finding your comments on Twitter when my phone goes off and it's like, hey, we got this new commentary about an episode you know, 20 episodes ago that she posted about. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. But we got another email from Jacob if you want to read that one, Brad.
2: Yeah. It says, um, hey guys, I'm a long-time listener of GGTMC, that's Gentleman's Guide to the Midnight Cinema, and the cult of muscle and I used to listen to Silva and Gold too. I decided to listen to your blowout episode with Sammy after he heavily promoted your podcast on GGTMC. Thank you, Sammy. Um, I really liked it and, and in fact went back and already listened to the first three episodes too. I... Two, I'm married with kids, and I think I'm Brad's age, so I'm not old like Troy. You're he's trying to say. <laughs> It's always nice to listen to a fellow family man talk about movies because I understand. I have a, I have a suggestion for you, too. The Fountain by Darren Aronofsky. If I recall, it had a troubled production and a budget cut in half and then bombed. I loved it. I think when I saw it, it was just me and an old couple. The movie even had a uh, companion graphic novel. Since the budget was slashed, a lot of playing scenes had to be scrapped. Keep up the good work. Uh, you've got yourself a new fan. Dude, thanks, Jacob. I, we really appreciate that's awesome. that. It's, uh, I told Troy when we got that, it's, it's one of those things that comes through and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like Someone took time out of their day and sent us an email and said, hey, thanks. Here's a suggestion. Uh, we get that more often than not, and it's still shocking to me. You know, well, um, I, I so love. We the, appreciate
0: it. Yeah, I love the fact that he picked the fountain. It's on our list now. What I didn't know was the graphic novel that uh, that he talked about. So now I'm going to. So go, Troy
2: is going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go
0: look this. for that now. So um, thank you so much, Jacob. That was awesome. We got another piece of feedback um, that I want to share from Zoe. Uh, Zoe has a podcast. You got to check it out. It's the Backlook Cinema podcast. It's one of my new favorites, and the reason why I love it. Um, is basically, he's just going back and showing his son, these films, and then they sit down and, uh, he, he's basically recording and trying to get, you know, his son's impressions. Like, what do you think about this? And, um, again, we, you know, John, one of your picks was the last dragon. They did a whole episode on it. Um, and I think his daughter's on that too. And it, it's a fun episode. So guys, awesome. go back we'll check and check it out. To that. But he sent us something. Um it's hey guys, uh I'm recommending Kingpin. Doing the research for this, I found out that it was a total bomb. It made l- way less than it cost to make. I was really surprised because it's one of my favorite comedies and it was really funny. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 69%. It's still funny. I'm so shocked that it failed. And I believe they just released an episode this last weekend on Kingpin so you can hear their thoughts on it, but I went ahead and added that to the list, Brad, because I always thought kingpin was a hit i remember seeing it in the theaters that's what i thought and i, I all my friends were talking about it and, and we thought it was hilarious i and i went back and he's right i mean it it bombed i i didn't know that so we got to talk about that one at some point
2: yeah i think we're gonna like do like a whole comedy one month at one some point in time so that yep. might be something we do
0: cool for sure yeah um, well, before we get speaking to speaking of
2: which, Oh no, well, I was no. going to
0: say before we get to uh, a couple of other things, how do they send us emails oh. and feedback and everything else?
2: That's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We watch those. So if you send us some messages on any of the social media platforms, we'll reach back out to you for sure. I'm going to say we, I mean, Troy, <laughs>
0: whatever. <laughs> and seriously, follow us on Twitter just for these comments. Cause they're fantastic. Yes. Uh, What are we watching next week?
2: So (laughs) we are watching the 2000, 2000, 2000 uh, science fiction horror film. It's directed by Walter Hill, but he's credited as Thomas Hill. Okay. Um, It is supernova.
0: Oh boy. Oh,
2: I know Francis Ford Coppola even has like a a credit on this as a director as well. It's really weird. Uh, James Spader is in this Um, Angela Bassett as well. I even believe – is it Lou Diamond Phillips in it as
0: well? Yeah, that that was one of my COVID watches. It was something that I think Shout Factory has a Blu-ray of it out there. Um, I upgraded it because I had the DVD and it was on sale and watched it. And um, I know when we were putting sort of a list together, that was on the list, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is one of our initial picks. I know it it kind of is – consider like Hellraiser in space. And they also say it's kind of like event horizon. So we'll probably talk about event horizon once again, again. which seems to come up all the time.
0: Yep. It might be a good, uh, it might be a good chance to go back and check out the new edition of event horizon horizon.
1: Yes. Yeah. Watch that. Was uh, it Robert Forster in that as well?
0: Yeah. He's, oh. it has a, it has a, we're, we're going to get into this next week. It actually see, has yeah. an incredible history leading up to the release of the film uh and and if you can you know get a hold of the blu-ray because it has the alternate ending it has all the special features but we're going to talk about all that stuff next week and awesome of Can't course wait. Brad picking science fiction i mean that's in your wheelhouse so
2: I know I, I also just noticed that we haven't had a bomb in a really long time and i'm getting the itch to, to call something a bomb the last thing we had Josh said Hell or Hellraiser uh Highlander was a bomb, but you and I haven't given anything a bomb since I gave Southland Tales a bomb, and that was like episode 48. So it's been a while. It's been a while. We might might
0: have one coming up. Might have one coming up. (laughs) Well, listen, we got a special surprise for everybody. Um, So one of the things I got excited about was introducing Drive to Brad because the thing that we're always talking about is first-time watches. So it's cool to go back into the movie theater, see like Black Widow, Um, GI Joe snake eyes is coming out. Super excited for that. But what's more exciting is discovering films that, you know, they could be 40 years old, but it's a first time watch to you. So one of my big discoveries this year was a film. And I think I talked about this a few episodes ago, but it was a movie that was on my radar.
2: You've talked about it. Highlander.
0: Yeah. And um, we were just talking about what we've been watching. Yeah. What we've been watching. And this one surprised me because it it was, um, it technically kind of came out, um, limited theatrical release this year. It finally came out on Blu-ray and I picked it up and I liked it so much. I bought two copies and I want to give one away. So the movie we're talking about is the paper tigers. It's a film from Wellgo USA. It is an action Kung Fu comedy film. And I got to tell you, it's probably in the top 10 movies I've seen this year for a first time watch. And go watch the trailer. We'll post the trailer and everything on it. But we want to give a Blu-ray copy of this to a U.S. listener. I'm sorry, folks. I'm I'm just not going to pay the international shipping this time. We're going to find something. Because apparently the numbers are really good in New Zealand and Sweden. So we yeah, got to find a way yeah, to, yeah. to do something for them. we got
2: to get those Swedish Fish sponsor. And then once we get that, we can, <laughs> we can send stuff internationally.
0: Hey, Brad and I have talked about this. We, we're we just not doing Patreons. I mean, this is a hobby. We We want to kind of put this out there and just you know, talk movies with people, but I'm telling you right now, if whoever makes will Swedish, sell his soul for Swedish fish. Yes. So if the Swedish fish company is listening and you want us to run a commercial and you just have to pay us in Swedish fish, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, but Brad, we're going to give away a copy of paper tigers. How do people enter to win?
2: Yeah. So they're going to send us an email or a message on social media or whatever, and say, Hey, my, um, I, I watched this film for the first time in 2021. Um, I knocked it off my list of shame, kind of things like you and I are doing. I'm getting around to watch uh, Gone with the Wind. You knocked off uh, Dr. Strangelove. What was the other one you said been hurt? No, Lawrence of Arabia.
0: nope that's not, i gotta I gotta do that one too. okay, yep, yep. so you know we're all gonna
2: try to knock off some some films of shame if you knock one off your list this year or you have, let us know what it was um, and you'll be entered in. And then we'll select at random the winner.
0: Yeah. At our next episode. And and again, listen, it, it, may, it may be something that's on your list of shame. It, it could be something you just discovered for the first time this year. And you want to yeah. share it with everybody. What we want to do is we want to take those recommendations, share them with everybody um, through the podcast, and then we'll draw a name out. And then I will ship this amazing Blu-ray to you, Paper Tigers. All you got to do, like Brad said, is you know send us a message. Don't care how you get it to us. But send us a message and tell us one of your cool finds for 2021, and, and we want to share that with everybody. And we yeah. are giving away an awesome film. I can't... I, just go watch the trailer. Read the reviews on this one. It's really good. It even says on the cover, action-packed crowd-pleaser and a rare treat. So there I should you go.
2: have asked you this before we started recording, but do you have any stickers available, Troy? Uh, yeah, I'll throw some
0: stickers in there. Okay, yeah. Maybe some Swedish fish. I don't know. I'm feeling crazy this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, John... Dude, thanks again, man. You knocked it out of the ballpark. Absolutely. We love having you on the show.
2: Yeah, and you agreed with me on Enter the Dragon.
0: Yes.
1: Yes. Dude. Great uh, picks. It's always fun. Always fun. Always a blast to be here. Uh, definitely appreciate it. And um, it, it's a great podcast, guys. It just, you know, oh, drive. Awesome movie, folks. Go some, Go watch it. Can't wait for next week's episode
0: i agree and hey look we do this because it gives us time to carve out of the week and talk you know with cool people like you about films and and that's why we do this man so um hey i don't know if you're listening in the morning the afternoon the evening i hope you're having an awesome day please if you get a chance share the podcast leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and um, we will catch you next week when we talk about supernova don't lose your head hey (sighs) (laughs) Ha, (laughs) ha, 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 ha.